This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Ongoing gun violence is impacting New Yorkers physically, emotionally, and financially. Nine shootings, 11 victims, two dead across the city. Police said they've seen an unprecedented increase over the past few years in young people becoming shooting victims or suspects. And they say 14% of all the shootings this year alone involved people under the age of 18. Citywide, police data shows shootings are down about 25% from last year, but still up compared to 2018 and 2019. 22 shootings across the city since Friday afternoon. And for many New Yorkers, that's 22 too many. Big news, ladies. Bill de Blasio is single. The former New York City mayor basically announced to the New York Times that he and his wife, Charlene McRae, are breaking up. Now, this isn't a normal separation. They're not getting divorced. They're still going to live together. And the only difference is that they will both be dating women now. CBS <laughs> spent a lot of money and a lot of time doing a forensic audit. Uh, they confirmed that it was 100% Hunter Biden's laptop. And they can deny it all they want. They can say it's Russian disinformation. They can even blame it on Donald Trump. But it is 100% verified that that is Hunter Biden's laptop. Look, I, I don't know if Mr. Hunter Biden committed a crime. I, I sure don't know if President Biden committed a crime. But I do know this, and I think the American people can see it. The Washington managerial elite, the establishment, if you will, is working harder than an ugly stripper to cover up whatever happened. <laughs> and he flies one deep right field. McCarthy back near the wall. It's out of here. Francisco Alvarez ties the game. Two out, two strikes. Home run in the top of the ninth. And he drives one to center field. That's deep. That goes Thomas. Back to the warning truck. It's over his head. Racing for third.
Gary Cohen. He pumped up Gary Cohen right there, courtesy of SNY. Kind of a uh, slow news day. I mean, for example, Fox News has spent the first six minutes of their show this morning talking about the bag of cocaine found in the White House. <laughs> it's not a story. It's stupid. Could be anybody's. That is a very, very traffic-heavy area in the White House where they found the cocaine. And as I said, degenerates in Washington, D.C. So cocaine in the White House, Bill de Blasio and his ugly, creepy wife are splitting up. But they're not divorcing. You know why, folks? Not because they're in love. Because when they get in legal trouble... If they're married, they don't have to testify. I hope you folks understand that. You probably don't, but they are only staying together to avoid prosecution. It's not because, as McCray says, we still love each other. If they still love each other, they wouldn't be banging other people. Or in this case, both now looking for women because, don't forget, she was a lesbian before Bill de Blasio. So you've got uh, lesbians... Gracie Mansion, cocaine in the White House. All this says to me is we are due for some really bad stuff. I remember the front of the New York Post, September 10th, 2001, the day before the most tragic day in the history of our country. And what was on the cover of the Post? A picture of the now late actress Anne Heche who admitted that day that she speaks to Martians. And I said, oh, my God, something bad is about to happen. How do you remember that? I remember everything. I'm no. a genius. Really? What did, yeah. I wear, what did I wear yesterday? What was my shirt? I don't called? remember. Okay. Just yeah. Make sure. But uh, maybe I don't remember everything. Okay. <laughs> It's like an Heimlich choke right there. Okay. <laughs> well, one of us remembers the Heimlich, so we'll get yeah, in good, there in a second. I know, uh, Justin <laughs> yeah. is busy, but he'll get in there in a second. But on a serious note, when we start to talk about things like this, usually something really horrible is about to happen. So cocaine in the White House. Okay, great. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> lesbian sex, Gracie Mansion, uh, an ugly, ugly couple, both of them inside and out. So they're not breaking up just to show everybody how to do it correctly? Right. They're, they're claiming they're going to be the, the model. And, again, what it comes down to is both both could be in serious legal trouble at any time now. Bill already is. My wife, Danielle, has been working on something for years. That's all I'm going to say. And, of course, his wife, there's a billion five missing folks. I'm not talking about $15,000. A billion five missing. So they're going to hang out together as if, but they hate each other. And if you if you ask me to spend any time with either one of them, I would hate them too. I hate them now. Anyway, if uh, you want to hear from this Charlene McRae, Bill de Blasio's wife, who again is going to be a lesbian again, here she is yesterday talking about her and her husband, Bill de Blasio. I hope that we can be a model for how couples can <laughs> communicate up. honestly about what their needs are and, and how to conduct themselves when they find it's a time to move in a different direction. I think that's important. 
Um, and that's what we're doing right now. But there's a very deep bond between us. We've been together for nearly 32 years, um, serving shoulder to shoulder in City Hall and, and even before then. Um, yeah. We've raised a beautiful family. Beautiful. Our family comes first. And sure. We just want to be able to continue our lives as public people, which it seems like we, we never stop being public people no matter what, um, but do it in a way that, that shows that, that you know, all that we have. I shut this off. They're together 32 years like me and Danielle. They've got a daughter they don't care about. They steal. They're crooks. They're horrible people. It, it took exactly 10 minutes for Fox and Friends to move off the cocaine in the White House story. They're now off it. So when you ask... Why I've got two Met cuts at the end of the open. First of all, I'm a diehard Met man and make no excuses for it. Second of all, you know we do do sports on this show. Not a lot. The show is still overwhelmingly politics and news, local and national, overwhelmingly. But we do sports every day. And the Mets are playing some good baseball. Finally, they've won four straight. Now, look, 86 games in, 40 wins, 46 losses. 17 or 18 back inside their own division, still six and a half back of the wild card. The Mets are by no means a threat to anyone right now, to anyone. But you string together a couple of wins, and again, the way they did it last night against a good Arizona team. The Diamondbacks started this series, I believe, Justin Lewis, 15 games over 500. First place. Yeah. In a division with the Dodgers and the Padres, and the Mets have taken them both. And a chance now to win five straight and sweep that series. And Gary Cohen, who I believe is the best baseball TV announcer in the business. No shot at my good buddy Michael Kay. I love Michael. Very talented guy. Hosts a big-time afternoon radio show in New York, ESPN. And does the Yankee telecast on Yes. Very talented. He ain't no Gary Cohen. In fact, that whole team is the best in baseball. Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, and Ron Darling. But Cohen specifically is the best. So once again, the Mets are trailing the Diamondbacks 1-0. Two outs, two strikes on a night where 12 Met batters were struck out. And Francisco Alvarez, 14 home runs. And I believe not just the story of the Mets, but one of the great stories in baseball this year. A rookie with one strike away from ending the game did this. He flies one deep right field. McCarthy back near the wall. It's out of here. Francisco Alvarez ties the game. Two out, two strikes. Home run on the top of the ninth. How about that, Gary Cohen? So if you think he sounded excited there, two outs, two strikes, ninth inning. Alvarez ties the game for the Mets. Mets get a man on, and in the same inning, Mark Canna comes to the plate. And now you'll hear Gary Cohen complete bedlam. And he drives one to center field. That's deep. That goes Thomas. Back to the warning truck. It's over his head. Racing for third, Beatty. He'll turn and score. Canna heads for third. He's got an RBI triple. And the Mets have the lead in the top of the ninth. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Gary Cohen, game 86 of a 162-game regular season. But again, when you've lost 46 of 86, these moments 
Not many so far this year. So a very excited Gary Cohen, SNY, big Met win last night. Yankees lost. We'll get to all that later on with Justin Ellick. But I guess the big story is, as I just mentioned, they did find cocaine in the White House. And everybody thinks the same thing, Hunter Biden, which is silly because there's like thousands of people who walk by that area. And a lot of folks in our country today, all ages, do cocaine. So to pin it on Hunter Biden is beyond silly. But they were all over Corrine Jean-Pierre, this Mensa member, the uh, speaker for Biden. What is that title again? White House press secretary. Right, White House press secretary. But there's like a million of them. I don't know. Well, you know what? Kind of, what, the, what well, what we were discussing yesterday was my title, and uh, Justin, <laughs> Justin had it. They actually had this new woman uh, up there last week. Who yeah, I've never her. seen before. I in my saw her life. too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, KJP does take vacation every now and then. Well, she shouldn't be allowed to. Well, she should. of course she should. She's like a permanent vacation. Well, she takes a vacation every day she does, yeah, does I, I her job. She's probably the worst. You two the are worst ever. really funny. Both of you are really funny. <laughs> um, just, we're gonna talk. I, I, well, the president thinks it's not funny, but I do think it's funny. They I did ask her yesterday about the cocaine found at the White House. Didn't go all that well. Not much information. This, Lewis, is Corrine Jean-Pierre talking cocaine. Cut number one this type of tour. Can you explain to the American people who would have access to the West Wing on this type of tour and what kind of protocols are in place? So look, when it comes to uh, security protocol, that's something that the Secret Service certainly is going to handle, and so that is a question for them. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to visitors to the West Wing, uh, they come for many reasons. Uh, obviously, we do have uh, West Wing tours that, that occur here uh, on campus. Uh, they happen in this particular past uh, couple of days. They happen on Friday. They happen on Saturday uh, and Sunday. The times that they do not happen is when there's a federal holiday, like yesterday. There was not uh, a West Wing tour. Uh, and also when there's a, white, a, a large White House uh, event. You know what she does, and a lot of the young generation does this now, and it annoys the hell out of me? Thank God my daughter Ava, home from South Carolina yesterday, doesn't do this one. She does one thing that does annoy me. She ends her sentences with, yeah, can't stand it. Like, Ava, stop doing that. But what Kareem does, and almost every kid does it, is you ask them a question, and they start with every time, so. What do you mean, yeah, so? Yeah, so it Just answer the question, yeah. you jerk. It, it, yeah. And so, so, what do you mean, so? So, uh, so I, I was going to say yeah, but yeah, instead yeah. I was going to say so. So you've noticed this, right? Oh, of course. It I is mean, a really a bad trend. It's a crutch. Of exactly what it is. But every kid does it. Right. So let's. It's as well as like. Like to Let, same like thing. I, right. Well. Right. I, like I was going to call him last night. <laughs> like I was going to like uh, he didn't call yes. me, and then You're like, right. If you ever watch, I know you probably maybe it like. I don't know. And <laughs> I just used it. The Bachelor or Bachelorette. These, they're all in their 20s, close to 30. And I've seen morons. You cannot watch their morons. dialogue. Yeah, they the morons. so beyond stupid. stupid. Yeah. It's, it hurts. Yeah. So then they go on Fox News. They go, the likelihood of finding the person who left the cocaine is slim. Like, this is a big deal. Who cares? Somebody left some blow in a library. I've done it before. Who cares? In the mystery section. Yeah. I'm reading my own books. Look, here's your wrong and your ugly. You stupid, you're ugly, and there's my cocaine. Look, look at Weepon, right by Citizens United. Who would have thought? Well, well, Mr. Biden left the cocaine, and that's He reads a lot of books. So they asked this KJP if she would support prosecution 
of the person responsible. This is a real, this is a real deal. It's going on. This is going on in America today. We've so, got so many major issues. So, <laughs> so, so um, here it is. Will you prosecute the person if, in fact, you find them? KJP Lewis, cut number two. If the uh, Secret Service determines uh, the, who brought the uh, cocaine into the White House, does the White House support the prosecution of this individual? I'm just not going to get into hypotheticals from here. Let let the Secret Service do their job. Ridiculous. It's under their purview. We are confident that they'll get to the bottom of it. I'm just not going to get ahead of this right this time. Good answer. Yeah, right. And there's a whole <laughs> montage of stuff when they're asking questions about the cocaine, and she just doesn't want to answer. So we'll wrap it up with this. Corrine Jean-Pierre, the montage, dodging questions about cocaine found at the White House. Lewis, cut number four. So what's preventing a visitor from bringing in anthrax or something that's not magnetic into the White House? No, look, Lisa, I totally understand the question, but it is under investigation. Does the White House support the prosecution of this individual? I'm just not going to get into hypotheticals from here. Would the president be satisfied with... Sir, this is a busy room, and we found some cocaine. We don't know who brought it. So let's see what the Secret Service says, right? How determined is the president to get to the bottom who brought illegal drugs into the White House? The president thinks this is incredibly important to get to the bottom of this. I mean, we've got Mike Pence talking about cocaine at the White House. We've got my new best buddy, Carrie Lake, talking about cocaine at the White House. This is what everybody was talking about yesterday. Hard to believe. Right. It's it's like one of those headlines you don't want to see from there, like the cocaine and the White House. <laughs> it's like when Marv Albert was caught with dead dominatrix. Yes. Or his name was found in dead dominatrix. <laughs> book, <laughs> that's uh, never good, is no, it? No, that's not a good start yeah. to your day. <laughs> we got a uh, great guest list today. Great. The secretary, the treasury secretary, Janet Yellen, has landed in Beijing, China. Hopefully Gordon Chang will hop on and talk about that. But a roster of greats today, Curtis Sliwa, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Noam Layden, Bo Deedle, Joseph Aboud, Dr. Mark Siegel, and the ratings grab of the week, the great Bill O'Reilly. All that today on your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC, your love, the outfield. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC.
promo for the theater, the NYCB Theater in Westbury. And there were three shows specifically that just made me absolutely crazy this morning. Gladys Knight, I love her. Oh, that midnight train to Georgia. Cocaina, Elvis, uh, Elvis, excuse me, uh, Eric Clapton. Uh, then the second show was Johnny Mathis. He may have been the third show. What is that song, Lou, that Johnny Mathis sings with Jane Oliver? I, well, I don't know yet. You just told me. I'm no. looking at the schedule right now. So. Who's the second show in between? Oh, the Linda Carlisle. Oh, yes, yeah, right, the Go-Go's. All Lips Are Sealed is a great song. So you got three. And you're telling me that the Psychedelic Furs oh, are in concert, too? Yeah, they're going to play September, I think. I keep hearing it on one of those series. Well, can we go, you and I? Yeah, I, I actually, you come to mind every time I hear the promo for yeah, it. Yeah, okay, playing. but... Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And did you say that Squeeze is th- opening for them? I think it's Squeeze and the Psycho. Black Coffee in Bed? Yes. Tempted it. by the Fruit of a Lover? Y- yes. <laughs> yes. You got to take the girls, though. <laughs> okay. You, MJ, me, and De- Danielle loves the Psychedelic Furs. Your call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Squeeze, Psychedelic Turds. Uh, t- turds. Uh, turds. Yeah. Something. Uh, Radio City. Oh, that's a nice show. Yeah. You know, I've been to see a show, music. I saw... Um, Sebastian Maniscalco with Stephen Van Zandt and my buddy Jimmy Orsini at Radio City about two years ago. Tony Danza was a complete dick that night. But I haven't seen a musical show there since I want to say Howard Jones, 1984, something like that. I'd like to get to know you well, Lewis. Yes. Uh, the last time I felt like this. Oh, that's such a good song. That's the song you're thinking. Play it right now. Play it right now? Right now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, right now, Johnny Mathis, Jane Oliver, I believe it was used in a Chevy Chase movie. Maybe same time next year, I forget. But I'll play it right now. Let me hear this. Okay, hey, I'm getting yeah. it. You excited, Justin? You like Johnny Mathis? I'm thrilled, man. I listen, listen. Don't, don't talk now. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I... Hello. I don't even know your name, but I'm hoping all the same. This is more than just a simple hello. Hello, do I smile in the way? No, I think I smile and stay to see where this might go. So good, Johnny Mathis, Jane Oliver. What are the dates for uh, Johnny Mathis? Oh my God! Okay, <laughs> yeah, hold on. that song comes on. My dad used to love that song too. So. Uh, Saturday, July twenty second. I got to go to this. I have to. Johnny Mathis. That's, I mean, what's? Isn't that song in uh, same time next year? Yes, the, yeah. the Chevy Chase movie. Well, no, it's. it's isn't that no? A- Alan Alda. Oh, Alan Alda. And yes. Ellen, Ellen Burstyn. Very good. Yeah, it's actually a really good movie. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. Yeah. You know who died last week? Talking about Alan Alda? Alan Arkin. Yes. Yeah. Who was uh, great in uh, when he kept saying Serpentine, Serpentine with um, 
Peter Falk. Right. What movie was that? It was hilarious. He was old, though. He was, like, almost 90 yeah. years old. He was a great actor. Great actor. And funny and yeah. very good. Well, it's like everything else, Lewis. All the good ones are dying. That's it. We'll be gone soon. There's no talent left in this country <laughs> in any field, <laughs> anywhere, anywhere. Radio, forget it. I mean, I don't know who these people are, even some on this station. But certainly around the dial, I mean, I don't know who these people are. They have no right being on the air. No right. No right. TV, forget it. Music <laughs> blows. Sports is just a disaster. I mean, they're more talented than ever, all these kids. I'll admit that. But you can't root for them, any well, of them. Well, you can make the argument they're not as good a shape as what we used to see in the 70s and 80s. I always say that because if this toe injury can keep – uh, Aaron Judge. Well, the they're just not as tough. They're, they're in okay. better shape. Okay. They eat better. They okay. work out more. Okay, but they're just you, not as tough. In the last 15, 20 years, they don't care. seen as many pitching injuries? I know. It's, Bro, they don't uh, care. It's the money, dude. They get so much money, they yeah. can sit out for six months. Juan okay. Marichal would pitch 16 innings against Warren Spahn, and they'll go work in a hardware store. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Mike, what's his face? Uh, Yan- uh, Trout? Uh, no, the guy who picked the Yankees. Torres. Oh. Mike Torres for the Yankees. Oh, yeah. In the 70s. Eight World Series. He pitched two complete games. I know he did against yeah. the Dodgers. He's actually That's more what... famous for doing what, though, Mike Torres? Uh, let's say cocaine. <laughs> no, before he came to the Yankees, he was on the Boston Red Sox. Right, right. He gave up the home run to Bucky Dent. Oh, he did. He yes, I believe he did. Was he was was he the starter in that game? I uh, don't. No, no, no. That was later. Uh, maybe he was. I don't so remember. So did he come in relief? Abood would know that. Joe Abood yeah. would know that. He'll be in this morning coming up at 925. If so. I saw Joe Abood with a uh, Bucky F and Dent shirt, I think I'd cry laughing. That's oh, I would he die. Needs. He needs one of I those. would die. <laughs> Who wrote that? David Duchovny from, yeah. that was his book. And it turns out that he didn't even hate Bucky Dent. What was the name of that show he did on cable? It was great. Audie uh, Lang was on it. Oh, the, the show where he's a composer. He's a writer. Sex, he's a sex guy. Sex thing. Which, yeah. is, which is the case in real life. Is he? Is he? Yes. <laughs> he was married to the very pretty Tia Leone. Oh, that's great. And she loved him like ten times because he couldn't control himself. <laughs> what was, oh, it was California. Right? Cal- Californication? Yes. Very good. Okay. So a friend, Carrie Lake, who was in studio about two weeks ago, and uh, she does text me. She does Instagram me. We've remained friends. She almost won the gubernatorial in the great state of Arizona, but they screwed her. So she was on Newsmax yesterday. Had to be Eric Bowling. He's the only guy that gets great guests on that station. And he gets them all the time. Not Kelly, Eric Bowling. So Lake was talking about the cocaine. Yes, she was. And uh, she said, of course, she would start the investigation with the president's son. Here's Gary Lake, cut number I don't have police experience, but I have common sense. I'd start by asking a few questions of Hunter Biden. That's where I'd start if I were the police. He's been around the White House quite a bit. We know his history. We know all about his uh, disturbing laptop showing just a ton of drug use, among other depraved activities. So that's where I'd start if I were the police. And I'm sure they're already thinking that. The question is, can they? Are they able to? It's so corrupt in that White House that and the Department of Justice and the government's been you know, protecting Joe Biden and his son and, and all the criminals around them that I don't know if they'll ever truly solve this big problem that they have. Uh, one more from Carrie Lake talking about the Bidens being a complete debacle, cocaine in the White House. I'd start with Hunter Biden. Once again, courtesy of Eric Bowling, Carrie Lake, cut number nine. 
what a terrible, sad day for our, the history of our country. You think of all of the moments that have transpired over the history of our great nation at the White House, and then the, you see how this has set us back. The Bidens have been such a debacle. And, you know, just was it a few weeks ago, they had the big transgender um, party at the White House. And one of the transgender folks was showing off their, uh, you know, took their shirt off and showed off their their fake breasts. It's unbelievable what is going on in this White House. And it is an insult to every American out there. That's my friend Carrie Lake talking about cocaine in the White House. Joe Nolan is back from vacation. He's got traffic coming up next. Don't forget our first guest today, Curtis Sliwa. He'll be here at 7.05, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's minicast, once again, Lou Rufino's favorite show on the station, the Dominic Carter Show. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Here, Dominic talks about shootings. Shootings are down 20%, right? But what does it matter? What does it matter if they're down when, when this type of stuff is going on? When a five-year-old girl in the backseat of a car is shot in her back, five years old. Then we have the mess of what occurred in Philadelphia. Five dead, a believer apparently in Black Lives Matter, and this guy wore women's clothes. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal near you. They're the world's best built boilers. The Mets waited until they were down to their last strike last night to crank out their fourth consecutive win in the form of a 2-1 to road victory over the Arizona D-backs. Still, after four straight W's here, New York has got a lot of work to do to get back into the playoff discussion going into the All-Star break here. Now six and a half games back in the NL wildcard race. They'll go for five straight in tonight's finale in Arizona, set for 9.40 p.m. first pitch. Carlos Carrasco will get the start in that one against Arizona's Ryan Nelson. Now for the Yanks, who were your losers for the night, fallen 6-3 to three to the visiting Baltimore Orioles in the third of a four-game set after taking the first two. Donaldson and Volpe, they both stayed hot for the Yanks. That was a silver lining with their respective homers, but it wasn't enough to clinch the series win over the O's, which they'll have to give another crack at tonight at 7.05 p.m. in the finale at the stadium. Luis Severino will be tasked with going up against Baltimore's Kyle Bradish. And there's baseball and sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. And now the choir of 77 WABC sings about Eric Adams in nursery rhymes. Hush, Mayor Adams, don't say a word. Biden's gonna give you some migrant birds. And if those migrant birds don't pay, people of New York won't get their way. And if that migrant bird don't work, Mayor Adams looks like a big fat jerk. And if that migrant bird don't dream, 
Eric Adams is gonna look real mean. <laughs> Eric Adams falling poles, falling poles, falling poles. Eric Adams falling poles, thanks to migrants. <laughs> two blind mayors, two blind mayors. See how they run, see how they run. They ruin the streets of New York City. The police have quit, what a pity. Did you ever see such a sight in your life as two blind mayors? And I got I gotta bounce. Coffee in bed. Good morning, New York City. 644, hot and hazy. Thursday morning, according to Lewis, Squeeze will open for Psychedelic Furs come September, Radio City Music Hall. And uh, the little Adams bit there, the genius of Chris Libertini. I guess him, Chris Pavona, the intern, Carly. They all get together, do these bits, but Libertini's the real mastermind. So, well, thank you, Chris. And I have to tell you, the, the Eric Adams stuff, and it's really not funny. Uh, the city's a mess. I can't believe the amount of violent crime I hear about every day. I told you this time and time again. On the weekends, you know, I listen to our station, obviously, but I listen to 1010 Wins. I'm not going to lie to you. I do. And uh, I put it on. Uh, Danielle puts it on Saturday and Sunday morning. And inevitably, every weekend, I tell her to shut it off. Every weekend. I'm like, Danielle, what? She starts to complain. She gets upset. Slashing here, slashing there, subway push, subway slash, shooting, murder. I go, it's the same news. If they replay the news from last Saturday today, I would not even know the difference. I don't remember the exact train where somebody got slashed. So they can replay the news every Saturday and Sunday. It's the same. This city is a mess. And this guy walks around laughing and smiling and styling, like Curtis would say, telling everybody, God, put him in this job. And I'll never forgive him for what he did to that lady last week. And until he apologizes to her, and quite frankly, me, as a Jewish male in this city, I've had enough. I don't care that I was there at Gracie Mansion when he spoke Jewish Heritage Week and said all these nice things about the Jews. He did. So what? It's not like black guys aren't kicking Jews' asses every day. Yes, black guys. 
not white supremacists, not a minority group, black guys kicking Jews' asses every week. Could be one of yours, Eric, right? Just like Jordan Neely. Just like poor Jordan Neely, who died on the subway because Daniel Penny was saving lives. He could have been your son. Well, it could be your son, too, kicking the crap out of a rabbi leaving shul this morning. Funny how you don't use yourself in that example. Pretty convenient. That could be your son, too, right? It's a black guy. It's bull crap. I've had enough. I've had enough. Not a bad guy. Not a bad guy. But so what? There's a lot of people who are not bad people that go to work in the morning. I don't care what they do. I love this city. I care about this city. And the truth is, we can laugh all day about de Blasio and McRae. Complete disaster. Embarrassment, both of them. Criminals and crooks. This guy, Eric Adams, not light years better. He's not. He's not. So that's my uh, little diatribe there. If you want to describe Jordan Neely, that could have been my son. Well, so could the guy attacking a Jewish guy or an Asian guy later on today. That could be your son, too. Congratulations. You know what I'm saying, Justin? I couldn't agree more. So Mike Torres, according to my good buddy Chris McGlynn, who I met one day in the snow at a Wall Street station years ago, you know the story. I'm walking up the stairs at Wall Street. He's coming down the stairs. Snowy winter day. Got to be three, four years ago. And he goes, oh, my God, Sid. He goes, I'm listening to you right now. And he takes one of his uh, ear pods out of his nasty ear, throws it in my ear. Never met the guy before. And I hear my voice. And now I love this guy, Chris McGlynn. He says, uh, Lewis, you were close. Mike Torres pitched two complete games for the Yankees. In yes. 1977, when they beat the Dodgers, yeah. Then they right. Then they went. Then he went to Boston the next year. Gave up the home run to Bucky Dent. Yeah, after right. Right. He did he after 77. 78. Okay. Right. So there you have that. Yes. And uh, also, very exciting night for me. I know I've talked an awful lot this week about Gravesend, and who wouldn't? It's really getting some great reviews, and uh, specifically, which I can't believe, it's surreal for me. My performance, getting notes from. Armand DeSante and Chaz Palminteri, Bo Deedle, Tony Darrow, just a host of folks. Well, later on, talking about Bo Deedle, who was great in Gravesend, later on tonight, on Entertainment Tonight, they're going to release the trailer for Inside Man, which most of you know as Gemini Lounge, but Danny A had to change the name of the movie. It is no longer called Gemini Lounge. It's now called Inside Man. And they're going to release the trailer tonight on Entertainment Tonight, Emil Hirsch, Lucy Hale, Ashley Green, Danny A, brilliant in that. Bo Deedle, great in that movie, great, and I'm in it. And tonight, they release the trailer. So, still basking in my Gravesend glory and my first ever movie appearance, Inside Man, formerly Gemini Lounge, set to be released in theaters August the 11th, and the trailer tonight on Entertainment Tonight. Pretty exciting, huh, Lou? I am. I'm excited. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, it is. Cool stuff. You're going to premieres. Yeah. He just did the uh, uh, Gravesend thing. That's that's coming out. You got that. I mean, how much longer are you going to keep doing this? What, radio? Yes. I'll never leave it. Okay. I'm writing it down. Never. I'm writing it down. I I love it. I know. This is my favorite. This is the most intimate form of communication, and I'm just getting started. 
look, I may never get an acting job again. I know Tony Darrow, Armand DeSante, Paul Borghese promised me role after role. And maybe one day I'll get good. I'm, I'm not good. I'm great at this. There's nobody in the country better at radio than me. Nobody. I don't care if you want, but Stern, Limbaugh when he was alive, nobody better. Hasn't been for a long time. That's why you can't stop it. I can't. Okay. This is my baby. Thank this God. is it. Okay. And New Yorkers count on us every morning to wake up, entertain them, provoke them, tell them the truth. And that's why we're here. And I can't give this up. I never will. Even if I make millions doing something else. <laughs> I can make millions today dealing cocaine to people in the White House. True. <laughs> yeah. Just the White do, House. You can still do the radio show and yeah. deal the I can do that, too. Well, I've done that before. <laughs> What's this on your resume, Mr. Rosenberg? You actually dealt well yeah. in the third hour of the show. Yeah, yeah. we, we got time. Four yeah, hours, a lot right. of time. Yeah. So we heard KJP talk about the cocaine. We talked about Carrie Lake. But here's one for you. The last person you would ever ever think of in the same sense with cocaine, former Vice President Mike Pence. I mean, you would never think about that. So he was on a press gaggle yesterday. He's still running for president. What a joke that is. He has like 2% of the vote. But he talked on this press gaggle about cocaine and drugs in the White House. So if you missed it, here's Mike Pence, cut number seven. I did Hugh Hewitt's radio show this morning, and he said, if this had happened in your old White House, uh, what do you think the news would be covering? <laughs> right? I mean, look, they need to get to the bottom of it. And it's a very serious matter. Illicit drugs found. I, I heard it's it was not. in the library. I heard it was in other places. At the White House, it can be zero tolerance, and uh, they've got to get to the bottom of it. Stop it. The American people deserve answers. Oh, stupid, very serious matter. It's so not serious. Now, if you told me there was some biological matter there or anthrax somebody was trying to kill somebody then i'd understand somebody left some blow in a library give me a break i mean seriously it, this sounds it's so ridiculous this is a very serious issue but serious <laughs> my god that's why we're a joke here it's it's the two things white house and blow that's it <laughs> i know if you, if you put I know. them together you I know. Get, the jokes are endless but i mean think about it. you got hunter biden in the white house right now he's a junkie and i can say that because i'm a junkie too it's kind of like chris rock using the n-word uh but, but how many years you had um uh what was jimmy carter's brother's name uh billy he was a mess what about clinton's brother roger Oh, Roger. Wasn't he yeah, a mess? Yeah, Roger had his little issues. Kennedy, from what I remember. Kennedy was popping pills like you never saw before. <laughs> he had back issues and all kinds of pain. Uh, and I would just say uh, something uh, along the lines of that some things are completely uh, uh, blown out of. What is the word? <laughs> blown. Oh, no, I, I forgot that. Oh, I, did I say that? Um, uh, proportion. Yeah. Proportion, Sidney Rosenberg. So you get back to whatever frivolous things you are doing. Well, we'll talk about Hunter Biden, Mr. President, we are talking about the cocaine, but we have now found out that a forensic audit has confirmed after years, like we needed this too. Now we've got confirmation the laptop belongs to Hunter. Well, who would it belong to? He's on there. Every video was him. Every picture is, was it Bernie's? What are you talking about? <laughs> now Bye. it's owned. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's so ridiculous the news today. I just it's it's laughable. It's been a fun hour, but my God, this is James Comer, serious guy on Fox News, confirming the laptop does in fact belong to Hunter Biden. Cut number twelve. CBS spent a lot of money and a lot of time doing a forensic audit 
they confirmed that it was 100% Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean, you've seen the pictures on there, Jason. You've seen the text messages and emails. What I would like to know is what part of the laptop isn't legitimate. That would be a, an easy question for the Biden family or their attorneys or their spokesperson. You know, what part of the laptop are you referring to that, that isn't Hunter's? The intimate messages between Hunter and his family, the, the pornographic pictures that are, you know, scattered throughout the, the laptop of him and escorts from, from countries all over the planet that were in the United <laughs> States illegally. Uh, is it, is it his bank records? It is, is it what? You know, th- this is his laptop and they can deny it all they want. They can say it's Russian disinformation. They can even blame it on Donald Trump, but it is 100% verified that that is Hunter Biden's laptop. I'm uh, good with that. And, uh, John Kennedy out of the great state of Louisiana, he is always funny. Every bite is funny and he manages to, uh, to add a stripper joke to the Biden family. Wrap it up right here, Lewis. John Kennedy, cut number 13. I guess I'd make two points. Number one, it's almost always the cover-up and not the crime. And, and number two, I'm repeatedly amazed at how many smart people there are in Washington, D.C. who have no sense. Um, look, I, I don't know if Mr. Hunter Biden committed a crime. I, I sure don't know if President Biden committed a crime. We're trying to get a, get the facts. But but I do know this, and I think the American people can see it. The the uh, the, the Washington managerial elite, the establishment, if you will, is uh, is working harder than an ugly stripper to cover up <laughs> whatever happened. And and that's all that Congress is asking for is the facts. And and to the point that they have no sense. The, the elite in Washington think that the American people don't see that they're covering up and that they're being obstructionists. All right. Thank you, John Kennedy. A great run of guests about to come your way, folks. The next three hours, Curtis Sliwa, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Gordon Chang, Noam Layden, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Joseph Abood, and Dr. Mark Siegel, all coming up in the next three hours. It's an epic Thursday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning with Squeeze, Black Coffee in Bed on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Seventy-seven WABC. Seventy-seven WABC. This is sitting friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
It is hot out there again today, folks. It was a brutal ferry ride home for me yesterday. And I love the sun. I love the heat. But, man, I'm your pusher, man. It'd be hot out there. Do want to wish uh, Nancy Sliwa a happy belated birthday. I did do it yesterday on her Facebook page. Didn't come up on this show yesterday. So happy birthday to Nancy. And before I get to uh, Curtis, got a great run on guests here. Curtis, Judge Napolitano, Gordon Chang, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Joseph Abu, Dr. Mark Siegel, all stopping by. I want to get to uh, Bill de Blasio with Curtis. But uh, I forgot to tell Curtis this. So last Friday, I'm having lunch at Cali's. I like that place. Terrence Mullen, Chris Mullen's brother, is one of the owners. I'm having my um, my uh, Tex-Mex salad, minding my own business, and I get a text. And I don't recognize the phone number. And it says, hey, Sid, hope all is well. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's not right, but I'm done with the Curtis, Samantha lies and slander. I would like an opportunity to come on your show next week and set the record straight. Also goes on to say, I've been a fan of yours and listening since the Don Imus days. Despite Curtis's lies, I've been clean and sober for over a decade and love to see someone like us succeeding in what you do. And it turns out this person, who we will identify momentarily, his sister is about to be announced the winner, which we knew the whole time, even though Curtis is out there and pumping up George Havernick. He ain't going to win. It's going to be Christy Marmota, Marmota, however you say it. So that was uh, Mike Rendino, who I think will join us tomorrow. But a very nice message from Mike despite what's been talked about on this show about him, because he knows all the hostility, Curtis, is coming from you. And in the end, his sister did defeat your candidate. What do you have to say, Kurt? Well, that's in dispute. No, uh, it's not. This, oh, yeah, yeah. No, this was not. ranked he, choice. He, she wins. Uh, you knew Samantha's votes were not going to go to her, right? You think anybody voting for Samantha, the Albanians, were going to vote for her? Come on, be honest. Of course not. Okay, well, guess what? She got 40 of those votes. George got 60, so she wins uh, by the smallest of margins. But, yeah, bring him on, and I'll make you a list of questions. Will you ask him that? Like, where well, do you give live? me one right now. Where do you live? Garden City, right? But he's already admitted that, he said Well, to he's had to admit it because we forced him to admit right. it. He should go out and join the Nassau County GOP. Since he's actually going out there and lobbying for the casino for Nassau Coliseum and being introduced by the Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. Don't talk bad about Bruce. That's my friend. He's doing a great job. In which San Randino says to the crowd, I'm one of you. I'm a Nassau County resident as he tries yes. to convince communities to come on so, board. But here's, for the what I don't get. here's what I don't get. Yes. So you asked Frank Morano weeks ago. Yes. Is it even legal? to be the chair in the Bronx, GOP chair, if you don't live there. No, you and, have to live there. Right. Frank said it's illegal. But yet, as you said, Mike Rendino, out in the open, publicly, I'm one of you. Yeah, now, because we brought it to the surface. Okay, but if it's illegal, whether it's now or yesterday, it's still illegal. Well, it's a... Uh, so uh, why, is it, so, why is he so brash about it's, it? It's a marathon here. Don't worry about it. We'll okay. keep you informed. But you think right. we're just going to drop this like a hot well, I, I listen. But bring him on. You, you I'm, offer, I'm getting messages from all these people. I understand, but you had an opportunity to have him on, and he refused to come on in the heat of the campaign. Well, he didn't refuse to come on. What happened was he reached out to us after your first interview with me, yes. and he said, hey, what the hell is going on here? Let me come on. And then we didn't hear from the guy for weeks. 
I won the that, Now that his sister won, <laughs> now he's ready to come <laughs> out, I guess. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we'll continue the marathon again, Sam. But let's get uh, right down to business. Uh-oh. You're playing Johnny Mathis, right? I love Johnny Mathis. Third best-selling artist of all time. Is that true? Third best-selling artist of all time. I'm going to guess the first two are the Beatles and Slim Pickens. Well, you keep thinking that, okay? No. Talk about the Slim three Whitman. best. I'm sorry, Slim Whitman. Three best <laughs> high school high jumpers at that time, right? Now, you know Johnny Mathis eventually said, I come from San Francisco. It's not unusual to be gay in San Francisco because he was Mr. Light Loafers for many years, right? Right. With the Velvet Boys. Do you know when he was in high school, Bill Russell was in high school also. And also was in San Francisco. In fact, went to the University of San Francisco and won the championship. That's right. Uh, He was ready to go to the Olympic trials as a high jumper. Yeah. He was a better high jumper than Bill Russell in San Francisco and Will Chamberlain at Overbrook High School in Philadelphia. But his uncle convinced him, no, no, you're not going to make any money high jumping. What do you do with that if you win a gold medal afterwards? Bring it to a hot shop? Go out there. You're a great singer. And now you know the rest of the story on that. Well, here's a uh, trivia question for you, Lewis. And, uh, Lewis, pay attention here. Curtis just brought up Bill Russell. Lewis went to University of San Francisco. Bill Russell actually won an NCAA championship before winning a gold medal in the Olympics and about 90 championships with the Boston Celtics at San Francisco. What later New York Knicks center also went to the University of San Francisco? This center, who was the centerpiece of the Knicks offense, became expendable when they drafted Patrick Ewing and was eventually traded to the Chicago Bulls in exchange for Charles Oakley. Wow, what a brain buster. Oh, my God, really? Bill Cartwright. Cartwright. Yeah, yeah he went to the University of San Francisco. Yeah, right, Tam, you didn't mention the partner of Bill Russell that helped him win the NCAA championship that went with him to the Boston Celtics with Red Arbor. Casey Jones. Casey Jones was a In the backcourt, you see? <laughs> yeah. Let, let's do it, courtesy yeah. of Super Sports Spectacular Trivia. That's a good job, especially today with the cocaine of Casey That's Jones. Right. But anyway, let's that. get down to breast tax. It could have been Bill de Blasio's cocaine. Speaking the of sports, <laughs> here he was, uh, Warren, uh, Warren Von Wilhelm. <laughs> That's what he was born, birthed into this world. He had two brothers, Bill de Blasio, Stephen and Donald. They're both dead? No, both of them never changed their last name. Oh, because you said he had two brothers. None of the siblings changed their last name. Right. So Bill de Blasio, always so calculating on everything he did. Coming down from Cambridge, he went to NYU, Columbia, majoring in political side. He wanted to run for office. He says to himself, a German can't get elected in New York. Because of your peeps, the Jews. <laughs> By the way, didn't Trump get elected? Didn't your friend Eric Ulrich get elected? Both of them German names. But anyway, put that aside. So he's got to come up with a narrative. Why do you change your name from Wilhelm, you know, Kaiser von Wilhelm, <laughs> to all of a sudden Bill de Blasio? So he does this narrative. He goes, my father was a great man. You know, my father had a master degree from Harvard. He went to Yale University. But then when World War II broke out, like so many men of that era, he went into the military, he earned the Bronze Star, and then the final battles in Okinawa. 200,000 killed, kamikaze strikes, 82 days where the men of U.S. forces were pinned down, and his father earned a Purple Heart as he blew off half his leg with a grenade. He was able to kill the Japanese guy who did it, but came back like a lot of men in World War II impaired. So he was drinking. 
but he would take Bill de Blasio, who admitted this, to Fenway Park, to Red Sox Oh, we games. love the Red Sox. In fact, I just got a text from Joseph Aboud. The gorgeous Aboud will be live in studio this morning coming up at 925. He says, Curtis's Instagram in front of a homeless person on the streets, epic. And the only Boston Red Sox fan I know bigger than Bill de Blasio is probably Joseph Aboud. That's that's how big yeah. a Red Sox fan this phony who would show up in the Bronx at Yankee games, Mayor de Blasio was. By the way, go to the Instagram of WABC. You'll see that video with a homeless guy right in Midtown, right next to the uh, hotel that houses all the illegal aliens that we're paying for. Meantime, our own homeless, our own emotionally disturbed, lit it all into the streets of Times Square. Thank you very much, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, <laughs> mayor of the illegal aliens. But I digress. So here's Bill de Blasio. He's telling this narrative, and he says, you know, my father was very depressed, and I really ended up not liking him. So I decided I would change my last name. Now, what what kind of a son does that? Especially his father was a war hero. War hero. Remember, Bronze Star, Purple Heart, lost half of his leg, comes back to America. Remember, the guy had gone to Yale, Harvard, uh, master's degree, well, well-versed, well well-scholared, raised his son well. Gave him a chance. In fact, his son, ironically, was born at Doctors Hospital across from Gracie Mansion in New York City because his mother was from originally New York. His father was from Staten Island. You would think everybody in Staten Island would be in an outrage over that. No. He disparaged his father. He stamped all over his oh. honor. It's like he took the bronze star and he took the purple heart and he stepped on it because he wanted that political career. He wanted to be the Italian stallion. And unfortunately, Italians went for that nonsense. Initially, they welcomed him. He knew a few words in Italian. He marched in the Bensonhurst uh, Columbus Day Parade. And then he sat down at Goodfellas on Highland Boulevard in Staten Island and ate pizza with a knife and a fork. And they forgave him for that. (laughs) What a disgrace. And that leads us to now. This is all calculated. You pointed out brilliantly, Sid. The reason that they're going to live together forever and not get a divorce, although they're going to go their separate ways, and she's going back to her favorite, the fruit of femme fatales, because she's a hardcore lesbian, and she's written about it. And who knows? She she loves the vagina. Right. And who knows in what direction he's going in, but it's all about staying on top of the reality that your wife, Danielle, Great uh, law firm in a stealth way going after de Blasio and Charlene, who stole one and a half billion dollars from that program thrive that no Democrats want to investigate, even though they have all the investigatory powers. Number two, all the monies that they've displaced, but if they stay married as husband and wife... You can't get the husband to testify against the wife. You can't get the wife to testify against the husband. So they're slick. They're calculating. And you know what they want? They want a reality show now. Of course. They want a they're reality shopping show. They're it out in they're Hollywood. Gonna get it. They're going to get it. But but how disgusting. I just uh, got a picture here from our friend Rocco from Joe and Joe Restaurant up in Pearl River of de Blasio when he made his name change. But how disgusting is the media? If you don't listen to Sid Rosenberg, if you don't listen to Curtis Sliwa, you'll never know that the only reason why they are not getting divorced is because both of them, both of them can face some serious charges.
And in order not to testify, they stay married. Have you heard that with Bill Ritter? No. Have you heard that on Channel 2? No. Have you heard that on MSNBC? No. Instead, they make it like a nice story. Oh, Look, they're, they're a the model face. for yes. couples. Yes. Time to move in a different direction. They're still very much in love. Right. Remember, <laughs> for their... For their uh, honeymoon, where did they go? To Havana, Cuba. Cuba. Yes. Behind the sugar cane curtain of Fidel and Raul Castro looking for their hero, Joanne Chesimard, a.k.a. Asada Shakur, the cop killer, who is still on the lam in Cuba. And who did they go to help? Nicaragua, Daniel Ortega and his wife, who are president and vice president for life. They helped the Sandinistas. These were red diaper doper babies. And then... He gets elected to the mayor of the city of New York and single-handedly destroys the city that we love with a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. We've got vengeance. I will never forgive. I will never forget what Bill de Blasio has done to this city. Not just elected. Elected twice. You know, it's one thing if you bring them in, you know, you realize you made a mistake. Now, I know, of course, that about 30 people show up to vote for the mayor in this city. Literally about 30 people. So, you know, whatever. The majority voted for him but he was voted in twice, and I got news for you. If he was able to run a third term, he would have won again. Uh, let me tell you something. You want to know about Bill de Blasio, who was lazy while Eric Adams is crazy? <laughs> yeah. They're getting married in Prospect Park. You know that was uh, arranged marriage. Of it course. was obviously yeah. for political gain because she wants to run for office now also. That's the other reason they're pretending like we're together, but we're, we're not together. Well, want... there was talk a couple of years ago, uh, last year, yes. when he was leaving the mayor's office, that she was going to run for Brooklyn Borough oh, President, the deal was and done. Eric Adams on the way out was going to help her. That's right. Your very dear friend, Frank Carone, again, associated him. just as closely with de Blasio as he is with Eric Adams, Fine. negotiated the deal. So de Blasio was... End up well, I'm also very close with Anthony Corona. I spoke, I spoke to him yesterday. He loves Gravesend. I love the guy. I know. He wants you in the hot tub again. <laughs> yeah, you know, just enjoy yourself. Enjoy uh, your midlife crisis there uh, with uh, Anthony Corona. But anyway, the point being is, so Corona negotiates this deal at Brooklyn Borough Hall. Eric will endorse Charlene to be Brooklyn Borough president. This is before March of 2020, the lockdown, the summer of George Floyd, when every day, who was out painting Black Lives Matter with Bill de Blasio? Eric Adams, remember? Black Lives Matter. How come nobody asked them about that now? Every day on some street, Black Lives Matter. So all of a sudden, Black Lives Matter at night, they have a demonstration that leads to rioting and shooting. Who's on a stage in downtown Brooklyn talking to Black Lives Matter? First Charlene. Nobody, nobody booed her. They applauded politely. Then Bill gets up, right? And all of a sudden, they turn their backs turn on their him. Backs. They booed him. Yeah. And that's when Charlene realized, I can't run for Brooklyn Borough President now. The deal was off. But she wants, she's itching to get back into it. And she is going to, once again, ride the vote in Brooklyn, where that kind of a lifestyle in the area she lives, Mark Slope, people won't bat an eye at that. They won't bat an but eye. But how can she possibly, I mean, anybody who's running against her, only has to ask one question, and it's over. Hey, Charlene, where is that $1.5 billion? Not $1.5 million, which is enough. Where is that $1.5 billion? How does she skate but around that? you got to warm her up first. got to say, I understand when you and Bill got married in Prospect Park, according to the former city councilman, Sal Albanese, you weren't the one who was late. The bride, the bride is always late. 
Bill de Blasio was late by a half hour. Yeah. His family, his friends, her family, her friends. <laughs> yeah. And guess who was the late one? Him. The dope. Because well, uh, he was smoking Maui Waui and Hindu sure. Kush. I remember you knew that. when uh, Joe Pesci's character Tommy shot uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character Stax in the movie Goodfellas. And he's like, he'd be late for his own funeral. That's Bill de Blasio. But late for his own funeral. The other thing we have to do, and I and Nancy are doing this, Thrive is still surviving. It's still out there? It's under a different name. It is now housed in City Hall. They spent $325 million. Stop it. Yep. Who runs it? Uh, well, you're going to hear that tomorrow. Oh, I tomorrow can't wait to hear Tomorrow we're going to hear that to you. Because, because it's, it's somebody in Adam's office, yeah, obviously. Of course, they swapped it over. They changed the name. It used to have its own uh, its own offices yeah. across the street. Yeah. And now it's housed right in City Hall. You know that Thrive still exists? Oh, come, I can't wait to hear this. How come you don't hear about any of that? Now, is uh, the lovely Nancy, once again, happy belated birthday, Nancy Sliwa, is she doing a deep dive into that? Of and, course. Uh, oh, yes, of she course. is. And remember... The commission is after both the Blasios for the $1.5 billion. We want it back. The Democrats have given them a pass. They all know they're both thieves. We know the money is either either in Panama, Switzerland, Antigua, or it's in the Cayman Islands. We want that money back, <laughs> and we want both of them in jail. You know, they can remain married right in a nice little jail cell in some federal prison, <laughs> yes. you know, maybe up in Otisville, right? You'll have them in the camp, the same one that Sheldon Silver, that greedy one, dropped dead in years ago. Remember, who sent him back to jail? Yours truly, Curtis Lee, visited Shelly Silver with his beak in the trough. I rang his bell and his co-op in the low. He said, Shelly, you're supposed to be up in Otisville. What are you doing down here? Well, I'm going to be good, Curtis. I said, I'm going to be watching you. The next day, the federal marshals came and brought him back to Otisville. And then he dropped dead of greed and went straight to hell without an asbestos suit. Bill and Charlene, you may think you're getting over on all of us like fat rats, but we will never forget. We will never forgive. We are going to make sure that the both of you thieves who took Thrive money for the people most desperately in need, the mostly disturbed persons who are still in our subways, our streets, and our parks, that justice is done, and that's when we put you both in Camp Fed in Otisville, where you'll have visitation rights, although no conjugal rights, because we know you never went that way to begin with. Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. And he drives one to center field. That's deep. That goes Thomas. Back to the warning truck. It's over his head. Racing for third. Beatty. He'll turn and score. Canna heads for third. He's got an RBI triple. And the Mets have the lead in the top of the ninth. Oh, wow.
We're going to give out some Gladys Knight tickets. She'll be at the NYCB Theater in Westbury later on today. So keep it right here. We've got Gladys Knight tickets, Ten Island Ferry Hawk tickets, and the Mets. Oh, baby. Even Gary Cohen screaming, oh, wow. He's usually not like that, Gary, but it's been such a miserable season for the Mets. 86 games in, six games under 500. Even now, six and a half back in the wild card race. But they've won four straight. They've taken two straight from the NL West leading Arizona Diamondbacks. The kid again, another big home run. The Mets were one strike away from losing last night. When before you heard that kind of game-winning RBI triple, the kid, Francisco Alvarez, another home run. He's got 15. He is the Mets 2023 version of a young Gary Sanchez with the Yankees, except he also hits for average. I believe he's leading the league as well in game-tying and game-winning home runs. How about that? Justin Ellick. And he can catch better. Yes. No, he's a better player. But you just remember Sanchez was hitting home runs like every day. Right. And that's what Alvarez is doing. And the Mets now, on a day once again, when we're talking about cocaine in the White House, it's the dumbest story ever. Who cares? God, who cares? Could be Hunter. Could be a thousand other people who do cocaine in Washington, D.C. They all do it. It's a non-story. Or, uh, you know, Bill de Blasio and, and his wife, you know, both going after women these days and staying together because they won't tell you this, but if they divorce, they can testify against each other. They don't want to do that. So you have two ridiculous stories that have basically hijacked the news today. Even the Hunter laptop stuff. I mean, come on already. Jeez. Come on. James Comer every day. My friend Nancy Mace in South Carolina. Every day, this is confirmed, that's confirmed, it was Hunter. He was definitely smoking crack, it was him. We've got bank receipts, 20,000, 30,000, 10 million, 20 million. Come on already. Sorry. Miranda Devine did this work four years ago. I'm one of those guys, I like to see action. I used to yell at Bernard all the time. Because he'd be like, that's it. We figured, Andrew Cuomo's going to jail. No, he's not. Well, he's giving back the $5 million. No, he's not. And I was always right. I was always, Hillary Clinton's going to jail. No, he's not, Bernie. No, she's not. No one ever does. Nothing ever happens, especially with Democrats. Nothing. Yes, Andrew Cuomo, that prick, did have to walk away. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. But so what? He's in the Hamptons. He's got millions and millions of dollars. Him and his douchebag brother. Nothing happened to these people. Nothing. Yeah. Thanks, Trump. This poor bastard, he gets arrested every day. That guy there, you just played him. But even with him, nothing's going to happen. Nothing. He's not going to. I don't care what judge is coming up next. I love Napolitano. He's a lot smarter than me. On his dumbest day, he's a lot smarter than me. Trump is not going to jail. He's not going anywhere. He's going to run for president and probably win. They could, they could rack up 90 indictments, put him in court every day. Who cares? doesn't matter. Excuse me. It's all nonsense. So I decided to play Metcuts. Not because I want to go back to FAN. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I love this show. I love this gig. But every now and then, it's good to just a little radical departure from the news, especially with the stupid stories today. I can't find one story today that matters. It's just slow. It's a, it's no. a slow news week, to be honest with you. Everybody's, everybody's got a three-day week. Right. And this is why this show is a great show, because we have put on an hour and a half of tremendously entertaining radio. Every other show is going to bore you to death today and sound the same. Uh, 
said, first time, long time, you think if they take Vogel back out, <laughs> that, um, I see a turn, I see, like, four games is good. It's a turnaround. I see it coming. Now, if Scherzer regains that, um, or a slider, I, I see a, a good things, and I've been looking at this. This is exactly why I can never go back <laughs> yeah. and do that. But if they it, <laughs> it, 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 take, uh, no, you're you missing know. the one. Can we trade Daniel Vogel back for Otani? Right. Yeah. 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 That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. He's yeah. like an expiring yeah. contract, and that would <laughs> yeah. work. I think Cohen could get that done. That's I, why I'll never yeah. go back. I just I, I can't do it. I if, can't even listen to it. If they put Canna at the two spot <laughs> yeah. and then drop Alonzo to four, right. um, I, <laughs> the run production significantly increases. I'm going to hang up and listen to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And don't ever call back. Please hang up and don't ever call me back. So Joy Reid, this uh, racist, uh, was on MSNBC. And I did complain a little bit about July 4th. I admitted that. While I love that holiday, I'm as patriotic as it gets. You guys know that. You listen to the show. You follow me on social media, Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. If you're not following me, do it right now. Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg. I'm as patriotic as they come. I went to a beautiful fireworks show July the 1st. Mike Sullivan, Breezy Point, the Garucci Brothers, Saw the fireworks in Rockaway July 4th. I love all that. But I admitted to Larry Trump on this show that I was a bit solemn because I don't like where this country is today. Yes, we're still the greatest country in the world. No matter how much the Bidens try to screw it up, they can't. That's how dominant we are. We're still the greatest country in the world, but we're not where we used to be. We're not. And it's depressing a little bit at times. So I did find myself in between the fireworks, getting very introspective and saying, man, what's going on? But not because of uh, of race. That's not why. Although it is part of the reason because I can't stand the race divide. But it's not us doing that. It's them. Democrats and black people. I'm going to say it right to you. That's who's doing it. People like Joy Reid. So she's at NBC saying she didn't go out July the 4th. You want to hear why? This is Joy Reid, Lewis, cut number 14 to say I did not go out on July 4th and would not. The idea of going to a mass gathering, a parade or a big fireworks thing outside seems insane to me, to be blunt, in America, because oh. America is awash with guns. And now people don't oh. just have them. Oh. They seem to want to shoot people with them and use them mm. for whatever, you know. Right, sure. Here's a lady that has no talent. Her talent is I'm black. And in this country, if you're black, whether you're Mayor Eric Adams whether you were Don Lemon, there's a million cases. In this country, if you're black, you can be a racist. In fact, we encourage it. That's her talent. So Phil Griffin at MSNBC years ago decided, I'm going to put her in a primetime slot. You have no talent. I don't care if she went to Harvard or not. She's not smart. She's making millions of dollars, millions of dollars to spew racist nonsense every night. She should kiss the ground. She should show up for every fireworks display all year long. This racist. And she's out there. I'm not going to go outside because this country is awash with guns. You dumb bastard. We know that already. Of course that's true. But you have nothing good going on in your life, Joy. Nothing good going on. It's all bad. All bad for you. Millions and millions of dollars. Cushy TV gig. 
people telling you how great you are, white people, of course, the most guilty, because God forbid a white person is ever somewhat critical. They're scared to death. I'm not. I'm not. I'll tell you right now, you suck. You suck. Who was uh, the lady yesterday that I, I uh, said some very nasty things about? I called her a racist uh, B-word. Who was that yesterday? I did it oh, twice. Oh, God. That was good. Yeah, it was great. I should, I should remember that. Yeah, who should, was that? Just remember who Anybody was. remember? Noam or Lou or somebody? Yeah, it was somebody we had a cut of. Hold yeah, on. it was some nasty cut. Oh, was it, Hill? was it Hillary? Oh, no, it was Jamel Hill. It was Jamel Hill, yeah. This uh, lowlife who wrote for yeah. ESPN, now she's at The Athletic, who blames the Asians for carrying the water for blacks, uh, for white supremacists because of the affirmative action decision, the SCOTUS decision. Jamel Hill, another one. Another black woman in this country who's made millions and millions of dollars and does nothing but hate a racist with a capital R. These people are sick. Anybody else sick of these people? I am. Stephen A. Smith making $8 million. His ridiculous diatribe on that SCOTUS decision. Yeah, in the law, it's good. But in the spirit. What does that mean, idiot? Spirit. If you yell loud enough. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> you yell loud enough, make enough money. Ricky Marciano. Jeez. I want to tell you something, Ernie, right now. Yeah. And I've said this. I've said it before. I, I don't even know if I want to repeat it again. Because <laughs> I've said it so many times. Yeah. This country is a wash. A wash with guns. Guns. Anyway, we'll get uh, the traffic from Joe Nolan, and then we'll talk to Judge Andrew Napolitano. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Music more than this, 747. Shout out to my friend Marianne from Brooklyn, the uh, enthusiastic Howard Stern listener. Marianne listens to Howard Monday through Wednesday, but he only works three days a week, Howard. Makes about a billion dollars, God bless him. And Thursday and Friday, she listens to me, which I'm humbled by. I'll share the week with Stern any day of the week. And uh, she texted me a bunch last night. She's a Bensonhurst girl, and she loves Gravesend, loves it. So shout-out to Marianne listening this morning in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. It is 747 again on your Thursday morning. We put this time aside every week for a guy that was great on TV, Fox News, uh, many, many years, radio shows. Imus has his own very successful podcast right now, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge Knapp, good Thursday morning, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Good morning, Sid. How are you? i, I got to tell you, I was listening to you and uh, Curtis about the Blasio. I'll tell you a story. I was at a cocktail party. I didn't know he was going to be there. He was there. He came up to me. He said, oh, Judge Napolitano, Judge Napolitano, I think we're related to each other. Oh, God. What? He said, yes, I have family, and their last name is Napolitano. Now I'm thinking, 
this guy is as Italian as I am Irish. I mean, this doesn't make sense. So I just played along with it. He gave me a big hug, and that was the end of it. But why this hang-up? on pretending to be something that I, you're not. I don't know. Uh, but listen, he he pretended to be a mayor for eight years, and he wasn't. Uh, yeah. Hey, let's get to the uh, the SCOTUS decision first before we get to the free speech stuff and the social media. Uh, SCOTUS on affirmative action. You asked the question, if Harvard and North Carolina cannot discriminate in admission standards based on race, why can West Point and Annapolis do so? The answer is... I would have to ask Chief Justice John Roberts. That's the compromise that he crafted. If it's wrong for Harvard, a private university, to discriminate on the basis of race, it's, if it's wrong for UNC, a state-owned university, to discriminate on, base, on race, why isn't it wrong for colleges and universities owned by the federal government to discriminate on race? He just cut out an exception there. He wants the military to be woke, to be able to discriminate on the basis of race. I'm not saying he wants that. He wants them to have the opportunity to do that. And it's just wrong. Justice Clarence Thomas and Justice Neil Gorsuch said, you're wrong, Chief Justice. If discrimination on base, on, based on race is wrong, it's wrong everywhere and for everyone. Of course. But the majority got its way. I would imagine that uh, you, like most sane people like me and at least the smart people I know, love that decision. I mean, I'm tired of it. You just heard me rant. I know you did about people like Joy Reid and Jamel Hill and even the mayor in this city. I mean, in this country. I'm 100 percent. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm 100 percent with you on all that. But I think that the affirmative action decision should have gone farther. Okay. Should have absolutely prohibited the government from okay. making decisions based on race, and it didn't. Right, it baby. left a loophole, and yep. it left a tunnel through which the military can drive their trucks, uh, and it's wrong. I want a military that is going to defend the United States. I don't care what it looks like in terms of diversity. Period. Agreed. Uh, I've had Colonel Jack Jacobs on this show a bunch lately especially with the Ukraine-Russia conflict, and he doesn't get it either. But anyway, uh, that is a very, very good point by you. A nice job, Judge, pointing that out. Second story here, a federal court restricts the government from pressuring social media to interfere with speech. Can the government do indirectly what the Constitution prohibits it from doing directly? And the, the short answer to that is no. The longer answer to that is absolutely not. The government cannot go around the Constitution. So when the government goes to Twitter and Google and Facebook and says, uh, we need a favor, that uh, that pro-Trump speech, you got to suppress it, that pro-Biden speech, you got to you got to push it. Uh, Bobby Kennedy on vaccines, you can't you can't publish a word uh, out of his mouth. We need this favor. And by the way, if we don't get the favor, we're going to start enforcing some laws against you a little bit more strictly than we have in the past. I'm not making this up. There are emails that show this. When a federal judge in Texas saw these emails, he was so outraged, he did what federal judges rarely do. He entered a nationwide injunction, not just in the district of, in Texas where he sits and over which he has authority, but he enjoined the federal government of the United States, the Biden administration, 
from interfering with free speech everywhere. It is one of the greatest free speech decisions in recent years. And on this morning's front page of the New York Times, the Biden administration is appealing it. Good luck. They're going to lose that appeal. I just, uh, nice job, Judge. I just mentioned that Joy Reid uh, refused to go outside and celebrate July 4th, the fireworks and our country and its beauty, because uh, she put it, uh, the nation is awash with guns. She's right about that. But as I said, making millions of dollars with a modicum of talent, she should be celebrating her life every day of the week. But you wrote a story about Independence Day 2023. In fact, that is the name of your column this week, to be governed by one tyrant 3,000 miles away or by 3,000 tyrants one mile away. That's brilliant, Judge Knapp. That line, (laughs) that sort of whimsical line, uh, was used by a preacher in Boston in 1775, and they threw him out of town because they thought he was in favor of the king, and he was. But here's his point. Democracy can be dangerous. And when the people learn that the public treasury has become a public trough, they will send people to Washington whom they know will bring home the biggest piece of the pie. That's not me. That's Thomas Jefferson. And that's exactly what we have today. We have a government of three million people that regulates every aspect of our lives, that takes from the haves and gives to the have-nots. I am sorry to be mentioning these uncomfortable truths on Independence Day. But as beautiful and wonderful as this country is, we have a government that abuses our freedom, and it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. The two of you, you and Curtis, are talking about cocaine in the White House. It's probably an accident. It's probably somebody that was forced to take their keys or their, or their iPhone out of their pocket, and they didn't realize uh, what was in the pocket. But it's not surprising. And the reason it's not surprising is because the government is so disrespectful. Nobody looks up to the government anymore. It doesn't have people's respect. And the reason it doesn't have people's respect is because it thinks it can regulate any behavior and tax any event and intrude into any private uh, process. That's the government. You're right. Now, the last thing for me, part of my rant right before you came on, was I'm getting a little tired, maybe even bored of all these stories, it started with me and Bernie seven years ago. With You heard me, Hillary, uh, Andrew Cuomo. And Bernie would always say to me, oh, this is the day, this is it. I'd be like, really? Why? When? Because my history in this field, I do sports most of my life, but in this field is people, mostly Democrats, can break the law, do what they want, and there are very few repercussions, if any. And I'm this Biden, say, I'm sorry to say that I agree with you. Right, and this Biden story, this this Biden story has been out there forever. Hunter Biden dating back three years ago, Miranda Devine, and every day there's another update. Jim Comer, somebody else, is something going to happen here, Judge, or what? Well, if you know Jim Comer, in my opinion, has a very very compelling case. Unfortunately, the events occurred more against Joe Biden. Unfortunately, the events occurred more than five years ago, so he cannot be prosecuted. The statute of limitations on bribery is is five years. It would ruin his legacy, what remains of it. Uh, It would force him from the political uh, arena, which will be a gift to the Democrats if he leaves. Uh, But he can't he can't be prosecuted. He's not going to go to jail. Hunter's not going to go to jail. You're right. These people don't go to jail because the government 
takes care of its own. Just like Jim Comey took care of Hillary Clinton, the government ta- and uh, the government takes care of its own. So one more on Trump, because when that second indictment came down, the second arrest, the second arraignment, uh, you were pretty hot on it. You thought he was in really, really big I trouble. I, w- I was. I, I, I now believe that the case against him is strong, but he's not going to go to jail. Right. He's not going to jail. And even though the case is strong, I got news for you. Nothing's going to happen. Maybe you'll have to... I don't know, pay a fine. He's still going to run for president. Nothing. You don't think so? His numbers keep going up. Every time the the FBI leaks evidence about him, and the FBI are the best leakers in the world. I know a lot of FBI agents. A lot of them are great human beings. A lot of them know how to affect the jury pool by leaking evidence, whether it's going to get into the courtroom or not. But every time the FBI leaks evidence against him, this conversation at Mar-a-Lago, this conversation at uh, Bedminster, his poll numbers go up. Right. His so, poll numbers go right. up not only amongst Republicans, but amongst independents. They're not going to go up amongst Democrats. But right. uh, uh, people who are sick and tired of this. There's no question. And this was by far the most serious. I mean, down the road, you got Georgia. That's a joke. You've got January 6th, even a bigger joke. And you are not alone, mind you. Arthur Idala came on, a great defense attorney. Oh, he's in big trouble, blah, blah, blah. He's not in big trouble. And if this one doesn't get him, none of these will. So you got to think now that basically Donald Trump really is Teflon Don. He may very well be a Teflon Don. I do believe this is a strong case. I don't know the outcome. I have never seen an indictment so laden uh, with evidence out of the mouth of the defendant and, and the people around him. Uh, and the fact that many of the people who will testify against him are his lawyers and his own employees, not never Trumpers and not Trumper haters, but people that relied on Trump for their income uh, and their livelihoods, uh, makes it a very, very strong case for the government. How it ends for him, I don't know, because of the fact that he is so popular yeah. as a presidential. Oh, no, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how it ends for him. January of 2025, he's going to be sworn in as the 47th president of the United States. That's how it ends. Well, uh, that would be a very good thing for a lot of uh, a lot of people. That would wipe out, uh, you know, the damage that Joe Biden has caused. That would end the war uh, in uh, Ukraine. I hope it would cut the deficit. I hope it would cut taxes. I hope it would alleviate uh, regulations. A lot of that is what Trump did in his first term in office. Judge Knapp, you are, you're beautiful. I love you. Uh, I know you had a great July 4th, and uh, I look forward to this every week. And we'll do it again next Thursday, buddy. Have a great week. Thank you so much. Oh, you got it, my man. God bless you. Remind O'Reilly I love him. He hates when you say that. I know. That's why I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> All right. Take care. There he is, everybody. Does a great job at this time every Thursday morning. Judge Andrew Napolitano. He did mention O'Reilly. Bill's coming up, of course. Got a lot of great guests. Five more coming your way. You ready for this? Gordon Chang, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Dito, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Joseph Aboud. Still to come. We're only halfway through this epic Thursday edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively. Talk Radio 77, WABC.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Here's a great song. Most people only know Heat of the Moment and Only Time Will Tell, but this is the group Asia, which makes a whole bunch of sense when Gordon Chang is about to come on. You've got Gordon Chang, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Joseph Abood still to come. Very exciting final two hours today. Half the show, I should say. So Gordon uh, is a terrific follow on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. And I saw Gordon, my friend Gordon, on Fox News with our friend Carly Shimkus at about 5.40 this morning because our Treasury Secretary was a complete disaster. Bernard was right about that one. Janet Yellen landed in Beijing, I guess, today, and she'll be there for a few days, not long after Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, another disaster, was in China. So here he is to discuss all of it. My friend, Gordon Chang. Good morning, Gordo. Good morning, Sid. Nice to have you back. What, what is this this group? Um, I never introduce you this way. I always mention your Twitter handle, which I know is great. But this Gatestone group, that's how Fox News always introduces you. A fellow at the Gatestone group. What is that? Gatestone is an um, institute. It's in, based in New York City. Um, and Nina Rosenberg, um, she is the force behind that. She's got together a number of people um, who talk about foreign policy. And, you know, she doesn't have to do this. Um, She can spend her time in the Bahamas, you know, (laughs) drinking pina coladas. Um, But she's decided that saving America is uh, a little bit more important. So instead of being on the beach, she is fighting every day. Good for her. That is a great American. Well, let's uh, get to Yellen. We know why Blinken was there a couple of weeks ago. I guess he tried to lower the temperature, if you will, between the United States and China. What is the direct reason behind Yellen's visit today? The Biden administration thinks that if we continue to try to talk to China uh, or reestablish lines of communication, that things will only get better. You know, Anthony Blinken, our secretary of state, tried that last month. That was a desperate failure. And I think that probably Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, is going to suffer the same fate. The problem is that the Chinese know that they've been acting dangerously, provocatively, belligerently. And so they know that they should be the ones trying to mend relations, not us. When they see us trying to mend relations, they view it not as responsible as the Biden administration thinks. They see it as a vassal acknowledging its subordinate status Mm. to the Grand Court of China. Now, we may think that that's ridiculous, but unfortunately, that's the way the Chinese view it. And because of that, you're getting some pretty bad results. You know, Blinken was a bad disaster, and Yellen is not going to be much better. I agree, Gordon. But Yellen, of course, works again with the Treasury Department. She's about money, right? She's about uh, the economy, and I know China's economy, for example, is not great. <laughs> that is a, an understatement these days. Is she going there with any any uh, any talks about 
China's economy, U.S.'s economy, world economy, any of that going on? Yeah, I would hope so. You know, she should try to create some leverage by saying your economy stinks. It's going down the hole and you can't save it. You can't save it without American money, without American technology. You need us. Um, And she should say that. And she should look at Xi Jinping and saying, I'm happy to see, you know, China disappear because the economy really is very, very bad. They say it grew 4.5 percent in the first quarter this year. You know, if it grew at all, it was like one percent, maybe one and a half could have even been zero. And the economy's gotten worse since then, Sid. So, you know, we've got a lot of leverage. The Biden administration's not using it. Gordon, I love it when you bring up Henry Kissinger. You did it this morning on Fox News, and he did it with me a couple of weeks ago when you always say Kissinger has been wrong about a lot, but not about this one. And uh, as alarming as it sounds when you come on this show and just tell the truth, that's all you're doing about China, Henry Kissinger really thinks this is going to be a horrible ending. Tell us about that. Yeah, on June 7th, he gave... uh fairly extensive interview to John Micklewaith, who is the editor-in-chief of Bloomberg. And during that, um, Micklewaith asked him, um, you know, what's it, what's up with the United States and China over Taiwan? Um, are we going to go to war? And Henry Kissinger said that war between the United States and China is, quote-unquote, probable. And then he said things must change. The problem is the Biden administration is not changing its policies. And I think that Biden is actually increasing the possibility of going to war with some pretty weak policies. Biden thinks what he's doing is responsible, but that's not the way our enemy sees it. And by the way, the Chinese call us an enemy. We should understand that. Biden doesn't want to acknowledge that. When you say his policies are weak, give me an example of a policy that you would change. Give me one concrete, practical thing that Joe Biden can do. One that would um, work in this case against China? Let me give you an example. Right after the spy balloon in January and February, the State Department immediately postponed measures that it was had scheduled to impose on China over genocide and some other stuff. Now, they postponed those measures because they didn't want to anger China. Reuters reported this, so China now understands it. That means China understands if it engages in some dangerous activity, it can get the United States to back down on something else. And that is basically giving them an incentive to even act worse. So really what we have seen is the Biden administration, with the best of intentions, basically creating the conditions for war. Henry Kissinger is right. Unless something changes, we will be in a war with China. And, you know, as 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 difficult as that is for people to believe, that's where we're going right now, Sid. You have any reason to believe that somewhere down the road, you keep mentioning if Biden changes his policies, there'll be some hope. Any reason to believe Gordon Chang at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter in your heart of hearts that this administration will reverse course, will do something, or do your worst fears, you think, become real sooner than later? There's always the possibility that the Biden Biden will change his views um, because he'll see that his policies have created basically putting us on the brink of war. So I do have a hope that he will sort of come to his senses. But if you're asking me about probability, I'd say no. Remember Robert Gates, the defense secretary in the Bush and the Obama administrations in his 2014 memoir, famously wrote that Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every foreign (laughs) policy and national security decision of the last four decades. 
He's wrong now. And this time it has real consequences because it, because of his catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, we have the invasion of Ukraine. From the invasion of Ukraine, we're going to have something really horrible occur in East Asia. That's World War III because right now China and Russia are lighting up North Africa. They're creating these insurgencies that look like wars. This is the world at war. Do we have absolute proof, Gordon Chang, that the Chinese are, in fact, helping the Russians in their efforts against the Ukraine? Yes, 100%. We, we know all of this reporting about, first of all, from the very moments of the war, um, there was um, China providing location data to Russia. This was obtained by Chinese-made drones that Ukraine was operating. China was feeding that data to Russia. Russia was taking out the drone operators. That's lethal aid. Also, China's been selling drones to the Wagner Group. It has been selling ammunition and other high-consumption rate items. They're supplying parts for drones to Iran, which is sending the drones to Russia. This is lethal aid. This is in addition to all the other economic, financial, propaganda, diplomatic support that China has been providing Russia. So really, we have an administration. You wanted an example. The administration, our administration keeps on saying, do not provide lethal aid to, to Russia for use in Ukraine. The Chinese are providing it. We know that the Chinese are providing it. The Chinese know that we know that China is providing it. They see our warnings as hollow. When a militant state sees the warnings of a democracy as hollow, nothing ever good happens, Sid. This is basically how World War II in Europe started. Hollow warnings from Britain and France. Germany ignored them. Invasion of Poland, September 1st, 1939. World at war. So let me ask you about Trump on the way out here. As always, terrific job. Gordon Chang, follow him right now. Go to Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Just do it, damn it. Don't ask me again. The uh, Sorry, I'm arguing myself, Gord. Uh, Donald Trump, when he was president, it seemed like uh, Ping did a heck of a lot. There was no talk about China invading Taiwan. We've been over this. And he seemed to hold Ping in check, just like he did with Putin in Russia, just like he did with little Rocket Man in, in North Korea. Say what you want about Donald Trump. He, he found a way to keep these guys at bay and make sure there were no world wars going on at the time. Uh, should that be basically, in your opinion, his platform for the next presidency, that I'm the guy that will make sure that Ping doesn't do any of this? Yeah, he should say, I kept the peace for four years. You know, as I've said, there are a lot of things that Trump did foreign policy I didn't like. But the point is... Well, hold on, hold on. Give me one. Give me. But maybe you were mad that he called the, the, the COVID, you know, the China virus because... That no, no, no. That's good. That's, that's good. good. Right. No, the, uh, the things I didn't like was, you know, when the Iranians grabbed uh, those U.S. Navy guys on the boat, on the pontoon boat. Yeah. He should have done something. Wait a second. You know? wait, wait a second. Wait a second. He blew Soleimani up into about a thousand pieces at the airport, number two in charge in Iran. He killed right. the guy. He did that, though, after his Iran policy fell apart. And then he did the right thing. He blew Soleimani to kingdom come. Right. And that was a great thing. That was a really great thing because for the rest of the time of his administration, Iran was was defanged. But he there, there's a couple of incidents. Yeah, but don't forget, but, but he came into office after Kerry and Obama, those two creeps, made that deal with Iran and made Iran feel like they, they had leverage and mattered again. So it wasn't going to be overnight that Trump was going to basically decapitate them. And then he yeah. eventually did kill that guy, just like he killed Baghdadi. That was a huge kill. 
And, and the important thing also that Trump did on Iran was he withdrew from Obama's 2015 right. Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action because the Iranians were violating it. Obama, you know, didn't withdraw, even though there was evidence that the Iranians were not um, playing by their obligations. Well, Trump saw it and he said, look, I'm not putting up with this. I'm not going to give the Cardin um, uh, certification. And he, he got out of it. And that was the right thing to do. And the one thing that the Democrats right now, especially Biden, who's trying to put together the deal again, you know, they're not acknowledging that Iran was violating material obligations yep. of that deal. Yep. And Every Trump day. did. And Trump yep. withdrew. That was a great thing. Yeah. My uh, of- my good friend, Ben Weenthal, who writes or wrote for the Jerusalem Post, wrote a ton of stories. He split his time between Tel Aviv and uh, Germany. And he wrote a ton of stories where he had witnesses and he had documents proving that the Iranians were collecting nuclear uh, materials when they were told not to do anything for the better part of 18 months. We had proof of that. And they still didn't do anything about it, Obama and Kerry. Right. And they and the Iranians were stuffing the IAEA, International Atomic Energy Agency inspectors, and they were doing a lot of other stuff. Um, you know, and Trump had the courage to call them out. So that's good. The other thing I didn't like, I didn't like his North Korea policy. But the point is, you know, the point is we had peace for four years. We didn't have the bad guys getting together and, you know, attacking democracies. This was this is the world's falling apart right now. And, you know, if you want a real world experiment in geopolitics, which very rarely come along, you see it right now. Putin invades and takes Crimea 2014 during Obama. Four years of Trump, Putin's stuffed in the box. You know, Biden becomes president, and what happens? Putin invades the rest of Ukraine. So that's clear. You know, <laughs> Trump policy worked. Yep, right there. That ended it perfectly. Gordon Chang is always great, great, great informative conversation. Once again, folks, follow my friend Gordon Chang at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. And as always, excellent job, Gordon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sid, and take care. You too. Great to have you. Gordon Chang right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Still a lot more to come. The highest ratings of any segment of any show all week, Sid and Bill O'Reilly. That's coming up at 840. My man, the great Bo Dita, love him to pieces, live in studio. Also a great segment coming up at 905. Famous men's fashion designer, sweetheart. Also live in studio, Joseph Abood coming up at 925. We'll talk to Dr. Mark Siegel. Fox News coming up at 9.45. Got Norm's Nuggets coming up. Keep it right here, folks. Not nearly done on a hot, hazy Thursday in New York City. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Think of him every time taking a drag of that cigarette. He 
suffered a tragedy a couple of days ago. His 19-year-old grandson died. I think his name was Leonardo De Niro Gonzalez, something like that. But uh, I do want to tell you, folks, as I've told you, really dating back to last Thursday, when we had this really unbelievably great red carpet premiere party for Gravesend at the Floral Terrace. Last Thursday night, it was great, and uh, they showed the first two episodes. I've seen all nine now, and William DeMeo did a terrific job. Put together a great cast of talent, Chaz Palminteri, Vinny Pastore, Armand DeSante, William Forsyth, Sapienza, Bodiedel, Sid Rosenberg, Peter Gordio, Chris Marmando, Fran Drescher, Gina Gershon, list goes on and on. If I forgot anybody, I'm sorry. But, man, did he do an unbelievable Andrew Dice Clay, maybe the biggest one of all. Uh, but Bo Deedle is coming up at 9.05. You know, Bo's a great actor. He's great. He stole the Irishman. There's one scene where Bo is in the office with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. You don't get too bigger than that. And Bo stole the scene. Stole it. I got to see with it. With the watermelon. You never saw the Irishman? I didn't see the Irishman. All right. No. Well, you got to see that. Okay. Just for that Obviously. scene. Does he lay out a bunch of papers? On, you know, <laughs> no, on no papers. Or... No, that's here. Oh. Oh. But uh, in all seriousness, Wolf of Wall Street, I know he played himself, but he was great. Goodfellas played himself, <laughs> but he was great. Uh, does a great job on Gravesend. Great. He has one of the funniest scenes in the whole season two series. And he's terrific in um, Godfather of Harlem, playing Tommy Lucchese. But I thought he was really good playing a police captain in Inside Man. Now, Inside Man may not ring a bell because it was originally called Gemini Lounge. That was the movie, as you guys know, my only movie I've been in, my very first one ever, flew out to Los Angeles April of 2021, thanks to the great Danny A., and actually did the movie. I play the cousin. They called them Dracula, Joe Guglielmi, and I 10-bar with Lucy Hale. Lucy Hale, by the way, has got 26 Million followers, 26 million on Instagram. Well, it goes back to that Little Liars show. I exactly yeah, right. 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 How do you know that? I, I'm in tune with what's happening. Wow, that's impressive. You think I just sit here, look pretty, and put, hit buttons? 26 million from that show, which is a huge hit in South America. But Emil Hirsch, big-time actor. I mentioned Danny A. He's terrific. And Bo was great in that. But the reason why I bring it up is tonight... Later on tonight, entertainment tonight. What time is uh, E.T. on, Justin? You watch it every night, don't you? No. Have you ever watched it ever in your whole life? Oh, my God. Um, Are you burping? No. Not on the air. Why would I do that? Uh, Good thing you can't see it. I don't know, like 8, I would assume it's prime time, 8 p.m.? Yeah, it's not 8 p.m., you no, idiot. No. It's like 7 p.m. God, no, so, so, I'm, so I'm off by an hour. So How does that make me an idiot that I'm off uh, by an hour? I assume. One hour. Why would E.T. be prime time? On its own channel? It's a news it's magazine show. It's got its show. own network. It's got its uh, own, yeah, yeah. It's right, own no, network. Thank you, thank you for chiming in. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna play the trailer. Maybe he's right on the E.T. network. I don't know. But it's on the entertainment channel? No, it's not on the E.T. channel. It's on channel 7. I think it's so, on, on ABC. Maybe it's two now. I, I don't know. CBS. Yeah, but they're going to play the trailer tonight for Inside Man. So there you have it. And that movie is set to hit theaters all over the world, August the 11th. So my acting career is officially underway. Man, so when they see it in Guam, they're yes. going to know you. Guam, they love me in Guam. They do. Yeah. Uh, even bigger news than that is 
my son, Gabriel, God, I love him. I love my daughter, too. Ava's home from South Carolina. She was great last night. And uh, Gaby's out there playing ball every day, doing his thing. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. 7.30. Thank you, uh, Ganji. So uh, my son inspired me and Danielle because he was diagnosed with dyspraxia. As you know, as a little boy, inspired me and Danielle to create the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD. And I want to tell you, folks, that we have now done a brand-new website. Uh, Danielle really has, with the help of Eric Sugar and others. And it has been renamed. It is no longer the Spotlight Foundation for DCD and Dyspraxia. It is now Dyspraxia DCD America. Dyspraxia DCD America. So if you followed us at the Spotlight Foundation, please, in an effort to help out children like my son all over the world, more about Gabe than Sid and Danielle, follow us, Dyspraxia DCD America Today. Danielle, excellent work. I love you. Got about three minutes here, Norm. Can you make it happen? Welcome to America's most popular game show, Two Truths and a Lie, starring your host, Norm Lady. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, welcome to this edition of Two <laughs> Truths and a Lie. Today, uh, you, Sid, and Justin will try to figure out which stories are true and which story is the lie. Today's guest is Lou Ruffino. Hey, thank you, Noam. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, I, All right. I love the show. So, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Lou is going to tell you three stories. Two are absolutely true. One is a lie. It is up to you, Sid Rosenberg, and you, Justin Ellick, to tell which one is the lie. Story number one, Lou. So, uh, in high school, I had trouble seeing the board a lot, and I would never have told my parents that i needed glasses i i couldn't i couldn't see a lot so i was always copying off people to see what the professors were writing the teachers were writing. i looked and a couple of my classmates also had the same problem but i'm like 15 16 okay and i can't see Mm -hmm. and i never divulged this to anybody so now we're going for my driver's test my permit really and my father's standing behind me you know you're in the line and you're going to look through that uh, lens thing and I realized it's going to be an eye test, mm-hmm. and I can't see at all. I mean, I can't make out an E from an R. And right. I look in there, and I start getting everything wrong. And the guy goes, I- "I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You can't. Uh, I-, I can't give you the test. You can't pass the eye thing." And my father behind me only had sight in his left eye because he had a had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And so he almost gave me the answers. He almost whispered them to me. He said, but, but. <laughs> From that, that was one, mo- and I couldn't see, and we went right to the eye doctor from there. Okay. So I couldn't see. Okay. All right, so that's uh, story number one, a truth or a lie. Story number two, Lou Ruffino. Uh, during uh, the I Miss show, the Oak Ridge Boys would visit us on occasion. I remember. You know, and play, you know, they, they did. And on one particular occasion, after they finished uh, playing in the studio, uh, one of them came in. I think it was William Lee, uh, uh, Golden, I actually remember, the guy who had the yeah, deep voice. Yeah, the one who sang Elvira. Yeah, no. The baritone. He came in, and he's asking questions about how I isolated a couple of things. And uh, he started to see if I would come meet him before one of the shows. Sure. 
and uh, like you know, get like a you've drink. done before with uh, the guy from the band, for example, you smoked weed with him, Levon Hell. Levon Hell. That's was, right. This right. was this was a different feel. For oh, okay. He's kind of like wanted to meet a little before. And <laughs> I got a, I, I got a very weird feeling uh, from it. So any anyway, that that did happen, and I I uh, you know uh, calmly re- you know said no, nah, I okay. can't really make it. I, so okay. Story number two: Billy Lee Golden hits on Lewis. Okay. I'm on my way to FAN one morning. I get pulled over by the police. I'm driving. I'm two blocks from it's FAN in Astoria. True. And <laughs> I get pulled over. I blew a stop sign or something because I was late. They, uh, they take my license, and then they call me out of the car. And apparently my license was uh, um, suspended, and I never knew it. And they put the cuffs on me. He's like, sorry, Lou, we got to arrest you. And Did you take the story from me? No, no, okay. no, no, no. Yeah. They okay. took me. Went. To, I went to the precinct in Astoria, and, I, and they put me through the whole system the whole day. And only. So you missed the Imus show? I did not make it. No, I was. You I was in jail show. until okay. seven o'clock. All right. All right. So you have uh, three stories. Lou goes to jail. Right. Uh, Lou gets hit on by Billy Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys. Right. Or Lou fails his driver's test because he lied about uh, his time. So you uh, want me to guess? We've got to get to Riley. Which one do I think is the true story? Which one is the lie? Oh, only one of those, two of those things are true? Yeah. The lie is he got pulled over, arrested, and never made the IMA show. Go ahead, Luke. Uh, that's, no, that is, that's, that's true. Ooh. It did oh. happen. You want, you want to take another guess? Yeah, so what about you, low. Justin? You got well, two was, stories well, left. If I was going to go with that one, too, but if I'm not going to go with that one, then I would go with the, uh, with the vision story. I All think right. that's a lie. Is the vision story true? The or? vision story is true. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. Because wow. <laughs> I got to tell you, the Oak Ridge guy, not only did I think it was a true story, I thought you actually banged him. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Would have been a better story. On another occasion, when he did that <laughs> yeah. deep voice, we did have some kind of a, you know. <laughs> this is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. Great song here by Chicago Lewis. Whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC or his own website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews and stories and TV shows. His killing series, his morning message, and of course this segment, which is the highest rated segment of any all week long on this station. He is the great Bill O'Reilly. Bill, Bill, I should say good Thursday morning, buddy. How are you? You know, I'm working hard for uh, WABC listeners, Sid, and I want everyone to know it. What do you mean? Um, we're investigating the Biden situation last night on the No Spin News. Uh, we gave you a pretty good rundown of not only Merrick Garland covering for uh, the Biden family, but also Bill Barr, the attorney general for Donald Trump. Neither man was real interested in accumulating facts. And then uh, we broke a pretty big story. Um, you may, if you're following this closely, and I know most people aren't a holiday week, but just stay with me here. So the original complaint against Hunter Biden that he dodged his taxes, that he didn't pay what he should have paid on income from abroad, um, 
was emanated from Delaware, where Hunter Biden lived. And the U.S. attorney is a man named Weiss there. Okay, in the course of his investigation, Weiss, who was appointed by Donald Trump, asked the D, the uh, U.S. attorney in Washington D.C., man named Graves, and the U.S. attorney in uh, California, I believe his name is Estrada, to partner with him because Hunter Biden had done the same thing allegedly, dodging taxes in D.C. and California. Those two U.S. attorneys declined. They refused to help Weiss in Delaware. Now, Merrick Garland could have ordered them to do it because they worked for him. But Merrick Garland did not. Anybody surprised by that? (laughs) Of course not. Right. No, 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 no. Now we find out yesterday that the wife of Graves in D.C. visited the White House 28 times in the last few months. Why? Why? Why would anybody? It's hard to visit the White House. Okay? 28 times? For what reason? Of course, the White House is insane. Now, I'm not a conspiracy guy, as you know, but it's certainly possible that she is a liaison between the White House and the Justice Department. Sure. Very feasible. Since her husband is refusing to cooperate in the investigation of Hunter Biden. And her husband's inside the Justice Department, works in the same office as Merrick Garland, Hmm. and she's over there 28 times. I mean... You know, I, I, I was railing about this earlier. Miranda Devine started this work on Hunter Biden over three years ago. Then we had the whole Bobulinski thing with Tucker Carlson, and we've had now Jim Comer. Of course, you're doing your work as well at BillOrati.com. There's books and books and books, and I guess at this point it's all circumstantial. I don't know, but being in this field, Bill, leaving sports and doing this for the last six or seven years, whether it's Jim Comey telling me that Hillary Clinton is guilty and doing nothing about it, or Andrew Cuomo has to give back $5 million and doesn't. It just seems like no matter how much info we've got, no matter what we've got, these people, mainly Democrats, never pay any repercussions. I'm starting to lose faith, despite all these great investigations, that Hunter Biden will ever really go down for what he really did. Well, it certainly truly might not. Because uh, getting back to Bill Barr, the Republican, Attorney General, he could have easily appointed a special counsel, independent counsel, to investigate Hunter and Joe Biden. But before he left office in uh, December of 2020, and there's a soundbite where Barr goes, no, I think it's a, a legitimate investigation by the Justice Department. No need, no need to appoint a special counsel. What? I mean, come on. So my job and the other thing is that the press is not interested in this at all. I mean, I'm a small news agency. It is the most successful independent news agency in the world, BillOReilly.com. But I, it's small. And you can't find any of the corporate media investigating this Graves woman or what she did or why she did it. Now, she should be hauled immediately in front of Comer or Jordan's committees and saying, well, what were you doing there? Why were you in there? 28 times? Well, why, why can't, so, look, I, I, you know, I, I speak to Nancy Mace in South Carolina. 
She's with Coma just about every day. They are dying. Yeah, we'll, we'll give Nancy a call and say, get this woman in very, very fast. Because, look, you're correct. The odds the swamp is going to do anything against the Bidens, not impossible, but improbable. But the most important thing is the people know about the corruption level. Now, I, I am not accusing Joe Biden of taking money because I don't have backup for that. That's not my job to do that. I'm an analyst based on facts, unlike most other analysts who just say what they want based on ideology. I don't do that. But I will tell you, this is rotten. And it's so similar to Watergate. So similar. And, you know, it deserves to be exposed. So I, would, have, I, I, I would ask you this. You know, you say it's similar to Watergate. I was born in 1967. And I'm starting to pride myself on what I believe is I steal a bunch of listeners from Boomer and Geo on the fan every morning who want to hear about the Mets, which we do talk about, but also want to hear about stuff like this. But they're younger. They went around in 68 when Nixon was running the country. So tell me, uh, for the folks that are younger, don't know all about this, what are the similarities between this well, the big, and Watergate? The big similarity is Nixon committed a crime. He obstructed justice because his reelection committee ordered a break-in of the Democratic National Convention at the Watergate Hotel. Nixon didn't order it. <clears throat> he didn't know about it. But when he found out about it, he covered it up. And his attorney general, John Mitchell, covered up for Nixon. Now, that all fell apart, and John Mitchell went to prison, just like Merrick Garland could go to prison. It's absolutely possible, okay? Now, what you need is a John Dean. Remember John Dean? He's on yes. CNN now. He's a weasel. <laughs> He's a weasel, okay? Now, he was a counselor to Nixon, and they caught him uh, covering up stuff, and he turned on Nixon. You need some from Someone from inside the Biden administration do that. That's what you need in order to get Biden on any, you know, big felony crime. Um, so it's a step-by-step investigative reporting I've done it my whole life. Step-by-step. Step. Yeah. It doesn't instantly appear. But these committees, these three committees, because House and Ways and Means is in it now, they're making progress. They're tracing all of this money all over the world in all kinds of shady shell corporations, Malta banks, all of that. Malta banks are run by organized crime, okay? The three money countries were Ukraine, Romania, and China. It looks like the Biden family derived up to $30 million from those three countries for nothing. They didn't provide any service. Now, if this doesn't wake you up, <laughs> okay, then nothing will. If you're okay with that, right. nothing is going to wake you up. I was on Cuomo last night on, on News Nation, and he's, he's kind of giving the benefit of the doubt to the White House. I go, okay, you want to give them the benefit of that? You go right ahead. My job is to find out the truth. I'm not giving anybody the benefit of anything. Right. Well, that's right? what they do. Here's the truth. Yeah. Every word I've said to you so far, Sid, yeah. and every word I say every week in this spot is true. 100%. And now let's get to the cocaine. Well, but no, before, but before you get to the cocaine, I, I want to ask you this. If this, if the liberal media, MSNBC, your friend Chris Cuomo on News Nation, he's a putz, CNN, any of these people ever decided to cover this, just like they covered Trump, right? Trump gets arrested every day, gets arraigned every day, gets indicted every, every day. day. If they ever decided right. to cover this, 
Right. Would Joe Biden still have a chance of winning the election? No, well, it depends how stupid the American people are. Well, it's very hard. Well, does it depend on how stupid the American people are or how much they really hate Donald Trump? I mean, most people don't pay attention. They don't know. You walk out on the street and you go, uh, hey, what did Hunter Biden do? You're just going to look at you like, what? Right. Right. Now, the cocaine story, that gets a lot. Now they'll pay attention to cocaine, but I've, I've solved it. I've solved it. You did. All right? So um, I, I believe that Superfly and his entourage did a White House tour, and they left a little parting gift. <laughs> you know, listen, void of anything else, why not? I, I mean, i got to tell you, I started the show today. I don't know if you remember this, but on September 10th, 2001, the day before the most tragic day in, our, in, the country, in the history of this country. The cover of the New York Post was the late actress Anne Heche told everybody she's actually talking to Martians. And the next day we suffered this awful fate. So today, trying to find out whose coke is in the White House, or this love story of Bill de Blasio and his wife coming to an end, I hate to say this, but we've got an awful tragedy, Bill, right around the corner. That's how it goes. Yeah, I mean, look, um, it's not a good look to have cocaine near the Oval Office unless you're trying to get a job at the Mexican government. <laughs> then it's, that's, good. that's a resume enhancer. When I work in Mexico City, you got cocaine right. in the locker. <laughs> you know, but what happens with this story, that's funny. That's two good ones on this story alone already, Bill. Nice job. But what happens with this story is, is like Carrie Lake, for example, I happen to like her. She was in studio last week. She's got a new yeah. book out. She feels she got jobbed in the gubernatorial one in Arizona. But she brings up Hunter Biden. Like, like there's not enough people in D.C., these degenerates, these filthy political degenerates that don't drink and do cocaine, that this must belong to Hunter Biden. I mean, how silly is that? No, you can't do that. I mean, because that takes away all your credibility. Um, Hunter Biden does not keep his stash in the White House. He keeps it in Malibu, right? I mean, what? Hey, Why Biden, would you keep hey, his Biden, stash in the White House? How does Hunter Biden? How does Hunter Biden own a house in Malibu? I think you said this morning, and you're right. Is that not one of the highest tax places to live in America? Yeah, Ling Chow bought it for him. Ling Chow. <laughs> okay, he bought Hunter the house in Malibu. Oh my God. But and, and and Hunter didn't put it on a stack, so Ling Chow bought it. Ling's a good guy, by the way. Uh, has a Chinatown uh, restaurant, Ling Chow's. So you go down there. Um, so anyway, look, look. The, but the serious thing about the cocaine is, if you've been to the White House, and I've many times, the Secret Service wands you, X-rays you. Uh, grabs your ankles and, and pulls you upside down to empty your pockets. Yeah. I mean, you just can't walk into the White House with cocaine. There are dogs growling at you. I mean, they have every high-tech gizmo in the world watching you, right? So it's not like, well, yeah, look, I'm going to bring in some blow. And, uh, you know, it, no, no, this is an inside job. Somebody in the White House with access left the cocaine. But I, I think it was Superfly who had that special tour. <laughs> I remember when uh, Trump did that debate against Hillary and he was sweating bullets. And Democrats are going, oh, my God, he must be on drugs. He must be on drugs. And the word cocaine did come up then. It was so ridiculous. So let's get to uh, Donnie here quickly on the way out. He had a huge rally in South Carolina a couple of days ago, right before July 4th. And it was a huge rally. Thousands and thousands of people showed up. And again now, with two arraignments in, or two indictments in, I should say, then two arrests in, 
and his numbers, his numbers are still going up. What's it going to take? And this is a question uh, just, you know, from Scarborough and Mika. What's it going to take for that to stop? Cancellation of Mika and Joe. That's what it'll take. <laughs> yeah, am I right? So if they're canceled, then Trump's numbers will start to go down. <laughs> Maybe. People loathe them so much. They go, if they hate them, then I love them. <laughs> um, about the, the Trump rally, I mean, you have to understand that it's 112 degrees, and these 50,000 people came out to see Trump. Right. I mean, they love him. They just love him. He, he's, a, he's like Elvis now. He's a cult guy now. Um, and it transcends all the other stuff because they feel that Trump is getting jobbed. He's getting jobbed by the feds. He's getting jobbed by the press. And uh, Americans, a lot of them don't like that. But it is a Republican thing. All right. All the polling and all the crowds are all hardcore Republicans. Um, and, you know, his problem is, is he going to be able to get anybody else to vote for him if he gets the nomination? What do you think? I don't know. It depends on who runs against him. I still don't think Biden's going to do it. Um, because that Biden's situation is worsening by the day. And he got the Constitution confused with the Declaration of Independence the other day. I mean, I, I mean it's like, you know, I will go in gratis and tutor him if he wants. This is embarrassing, you know? Yeah. He, he also, know he's, also only, he's also only two weeks removed from saying that uh, the Iraqis are putting up a very good fight against the Russians. Yeah, and then, and then he goes, it's 1960, we fought a war, so whatever. I go, no, there's no war now. Sixty. That's 1860. What's 100 years, right? He just doesn't. I mean, look, you could you could go out and uh, walk around the streets of New York and get 10 year olds who could explain the situation better than Joe Biden could. And I'm saying that literally. It's just sad. And his wife, who I think is a villain now, had any compassion for her husband. She said, you know, Joe, we need to pack it. It's time. Right? Am I right? Oh, you're 100% right. This is spousal abuse. It really is. But not only will she not do that, she wants him to do it again. Yeah, because she wants to ride around on uh, Air Force One and have a good time and exactly. all that. Exactly. And exactly. Yeah, like somebody beside Ben and Jerry looking out for the country. You see Ben and Jerry's uh, Fourth of July tweet? <laughs> I saw that. You see that? Yeah, I did. So my line on Ben and Jerry is, um, number one, Hagen does much better than Ben and Jerry. <laughs> no doubt. Okay, much better. Yeah. But they'll both make you fat. The problem is if you eat Ben and Jerry's ice cream, you'll also be stupid. <laughs> All right? So you'll be fat and stupid. That's not good. Oh, that's great. All right? That's perfect. These, that is these perfect. These morons up in Vermont, I mean, they're ex-hippies. They're running around. If they were in the White House, they would have brought the, yeah, No, no I, sure. I can't say that. I'll get sued. No, no. I'll say that. Well, you're right. I like it. Ben and Jerry's make you fat. And stupid. Bill O'Reilly, another amazing appearance. Amazing. And I'm excited about next week because you're here next Thursday. And two days later, we'll be at City Field for the Mets. So thank you again for another great appearance. I love you. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Thanks. All right. I hope everybody goes to BillOReilly.com. We have the latest stuff, and it's uh, worth your time. Thanks for having me in, Sid. Appreciate it. See you soon. All right, buddy. BillOReilly.com. BillOReilly.com. Go there today. We wrap up the fourth and final hour with three great guests. My man, Bo Deedle. He's here looking sharp. He's live in studio. Joseph Baboud, also live in studio. And Dr. Mark Siegel. Three great guests coming up in the fourth and final hour of the Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, we really tried. Yeah,
entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. Oh, come on. You know the first time I ever called a radio station, like a Casey Kasem type of thing, and asked for long-distance dedication, was Kingsborough Community College's music station. And I asked for this song, White Lines. You called a station and I requested did, a song. and guess what I was doing when I asked for this song? Oh, uh, hold on. Let me yeah, try. Okay. But I, w- I was not at the White House, and I quit a long time playing, ago. Playing chess? Oh, <laughs> yeah. you don't play chess anymore. Yeah. I know that. My next guest calls in every Tuesday morning at 740, but he's live in studio every Thursday at 910, and he's just the best. You know all about him. Great cop, great actor, just a great New Yorker and a great man. My dear friend, Bo Dietl. Good morning, Bo. Good morning, Sid. Uh, you know, my podcast yesterday had Scott Munro. Uh, he's the secretary of the DEA, the Detective Endowment Association, on my podcast, One True uh, Crime Story. I have people tune in. He knows a lot about the detective division and yeah. what's going on in New York with the crime. His, his boss has become a very good friend of mine, Paul DiGiacomo. Yeah. You know Paul very well. I know well. Paul. Paul's yeah. a good man. He's, yeah. uh, he's uh, aging out. You know? Yeah, he is. Aging yeah. out means yeah. that he yeah. has to retire soon. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but he's a good man. Everybody's a good man. Hey, listen to me. We had a great weekend. Listen to me. We had a really great weekend in New York. Eric, everything is good. Uh, let me <laughs> see. July 5th between... 12.40 a.m. and 8.30 a.m., only 12 shootings, 13 victims. July 1st through the 4th, 10 shootings with 16 victims. Yeah. Oh, crime is down, and everything is good, and everybody's happy, happy. I didn't know if there were fireworks or freaking gunshots. I was in my apartment, and I was underneath the bed hiding. I heard shots outside, fireworks, everything. Remember, Eric, I keep telling you. And I keep telling you about the federal gun law. Let's get me, deputize me, do whatever you want. I don't need no money. Just let me get to these U.S. attorneys. You'll be the man that will turn around all these shootings across this country. If we get the people with the guns, not the guns, the people shooting the guns, and we incarcerate them, then the guns shootings will stop. Don't you get it? It's equal one plus one equals two, Eric. It Come makes on, so baby. much sense. And every time I bring it up to him in the past, I don't talk to him anymore. He uh, seemed like he was into it. Same thing with you. Let me ask you a question. You're a smart guy. Why don't you think they do it? Well, what's the problem? No, I get this bullcrap. Yo, Garland, again, this scumbag, <laughs> again, he's directing the U.S. attorneys. We see what's happening with the, what happened in Delaware. He is directing every U.S. attorney. Let's not go because it's a racist thing to lock up the black man who just killed the five-year-old little boy. Yeah. And it's racist. It's not racist. I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, Jewish. You have a gun and you're a convicted felon. Go to jail. Stop the bullcrap. And it goes back to Garland, who's making the directives to all these AUSAs all over the country. Southern District, Eastern District, how dare you? You're supposed to be protecting the people of America, especially the New York City area. I will come see you. Deputize 50 ADAs in New York. We'll prosecute gun cases with convicted felons and put them in jail. I mean, this is so easy. No, no, but the newest is, this is the good one. The city council demands reports on everything. That means when the cops are out there, if all of a sudden you got a report, if you talk to somebody, if you give someone directions, you got to make a report. Then on top of it, all of a sudden, anything, the time and location, 
You gotta be kidding me. You're taking away the heart and soul of these cops. They'll be doing 80% of paperwork. This is what the city, and who's behind this? Uh, shake and bake, Jamali Williams, uh, Happy Days, oh, that yeah, jerk yeah. off, and all these city council people. He's a public advocate. Now they want yeah. to take away all the heart and soul from the police department. But, but didn't we just lose Bo being the great cop that you were? Didn't we just lose a major part of the heart and soul because of the mayor? And I'm talking about former police commissioner Keyshawn Sewell. I liked her very, very much. I was at. And a, why is she gone? I like a cocktail party. Well, you know what? I believe that, uh, you know, she was not able to be and do what she was supposed to do as the police commissioner. I believe that. You know, again, you, you're turning on him. I know where you're going, whatever. <laughs> but that's, but listen to me. That's all we have. Do you remember? I told you. I slapped him in the face in Greg Olson's apartment. I know. This is your city. But he's got to but understand. Let me ask you something. When, when I was, uh, before Eric Adams became mayor, yeah. I was very, very tough on Bill de Blasio. Yeah. I don't remember you or anybody saying to me, hey, hey, calm down. He's all we've got. Why now? Because Eric is, is a nicer guy? Because he's black? No. How come I was okay? It was okay if I killed de Blasio with Eric? He's all we've got. No, well, then no, we got nothing. No, you want to know something. When he first came in, because of his police background and all that, he understands crime, I hope, a little bit. And he understands. And I'm standing praying that I'll get the call from him if we're Phil Banks. Let's do this gun thing. This could be the catalyst that will spread across this country where New York City will start prosecuting convicted felons carrying guns, put them in jail for 10 to 15 years. Stop the crap. All right, let's let's go right to Merrick Garland because this is what it's all about. It all keeps coming back to him. Didn't we, uh, didn't we send an attorney general to jail not too long ago in the Nixon thing? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yes, we did. Now, Merrick Garland with this whole thing, he's a complete dick. And this whole investigation <laughs> on Hunter Biden with that D, with that AUSA actually came out and told the committees that he could not, he was unable to prosecute this case in California, Washington D.C. Those AUSAs couldn't prosecute because it comes back to the same scumbag. And I tell you what, scumbag, if you were in front of me, I'd smack those. Face right in your <laughs> I'd like to knock him out. This, really? This guy's destroying everything, including my gun my gun laws and all that stuff. He was stuff. almost a Supreme Court justice. Oh, my God. Who do you like less on this specific day, the great Bo Deedle? Merrick Garland or your friend from Fox? Oh, well, well, let's go to Fox. I was with Geraldo Rivera over the weekend, his 80th birthday. They threw him off the five. It's all Lachlan. It's all Lachlan, that scumbag. And, and what it's all about is I talk to people. Who are in the stock market? Anybody who has News Corp stock, sell it because you got this scumbag running it. We can't get rid of him. He, the board of directors, is controlled. These, these, these little other scumbags on the board of directors, including the former Speaker of the House, they're all controlled by the Murdochs. This Australian piece of garbage. Go back to Australia and take your father with all his side orders. And I never followed Lucy Dong for your father. I never followed for Roger Ailes. Some the Redstone. He hired my company, and Lucy Dong was sucking on on fire hydrants. <laughs> Not my fault, there, Murdoch. Well. You know what? You're 94 years old. Soros is going down. You're going down next, punk. You know what? You let your son take over this. Who made News Corp? Who made it? Oh, Who made Roger Ailes? Roger yes, Ailes is right. new Fox News. And by the way, Bo, who's the star of Mission Impossible? Tom Cruise. 
Tom Cruise. Hey, does that mean anything to you, Lachlan? Now, let's basically face what's going on in News Corp again. People are forgetting. The main witness is going to be my friend Tucker Carlson. You know, I just settled for the other one, $800 million. Now they got another $2.5 billion lawsuit sued against them. And you know what? You know who the main person behind it? All the emails, all the texts come from Lachlan. Lachlan <laughs> directing people that. to lie. And no. that's what it's going to be about. I hope. They, you see, he'll never go to trial. They'll settle this, no, too. They'll settle this. And, you know, Dominion paid that. Samartak has the same case. But their main witness is, who do you think? It's our man Tucker. They're going to have to suck up to Tucker. I guarantee you they're going to make a deal with Tucker. Because Tucker's going to be the main witness. And you know what they'll do? He'll put a knife. They'll never go to trial. Because if Lachlan takes the stand, that lying scumbag will be put under. Hey, Lachlan, I've been asking you for a while. Why don't you find your ball pig? Have me come over there. You've got 20 security guys, eight lawyers. Why don't you sit me down? You want to end this? Oh, oh, that's right. I'm a Chinese spy. Headlines. I'm a Chinese Chinese spy. This scumbag puts down the paper. I'm just going to sue Fox. This piece of garbage. They never even did any due diligence. They just print what they want. Headline, they talked about some other guy. And mine was there. Why was Bo dealing that? Look, everyone says, Bo, the story says nothing. It says you didn't do anything. Right. Why is your name there? Lachlan Murdoch, that scumbag. He is selectively going after me. So you know what? I'm not hiding under my bed. What's your next story? What's your next story on me? I'm waiting. You did it in 2009. You did it the other day. Lachlan, you can't keep doing this because I'm not afraid of you, you <laughs> punk. You know what? I'm the wrong guy. You might be a billionaire with your daddy's money because you couldn't make it on your own. You couldn't run a, a friggin' hot dog, dog stand there, Lachlan. <laughs> You're a piece of garbage. $2.5 billion. Another one. Okay, yeah. that's that. I hope you didn't just cost me my spot on the Jesse Waters oh, show. Well, I don't know. Look, at all, I, <laughs> yeah. all I know is let's, uh, let's go to de Blasio. Big yes. Bird de Blasio. Now, you ran against Bill de Blasio, and if you would have won this city, just like Carter should have beaten Eric Adams, yeah. you should have beaten Bill de Blasio. We'd be, we would have been so great, but they, they hijacked you there, too. No, he had his lawyers, general counsels in the Supreme Court, the Court of Appeals, and also the Appellate Court. This scumbag with his ugly wife, she ain't no Haley Barr. Bailey, that's all I say. She ain't no <laughs> Haley. And we see, you see de Blasio, he's got a shade of chestnut brown hair color. Well, have you a gray hair, yo? Oh, sorry. Beep. Okay, now, now, Bill de Blasio, what is this all about? This is all about me and Curtis are up and at them. Where is the money? Follow the money. They have these nonprofits that money were, was thrown into from the Operation Thrive. Remember when I went after him with those two brothers from Brooklyn? Yes. What was his name? Rush- the Casita brothers. They no, were Rushy and Whatever yeah, the hell yeah. their names yeah. were. They gave him a lot of money. They got convicted of bribery. But who was the bribe receiver? It was Big Bird de Blasio. And it was quashed again. Why isn't the New York State Attorney General trying to find this billion and a half dollars? I guess it doesn't coincide with what our direction is. And all of a sudden now, Charlene de Blasio, whatever hell her name is, yeah. McCray, McCoo, Bababoo, all of a sudden, oh, we're still married. Yeah, so you won't have to testify against your husband, and he can't testify against you. That's you it. think we don't know it? You're a garbage kid, and you still owe that $500,000 in the in the election committee there. you got to pay that creepo. Interest and penalties, too. Oh, my God. But they got a lot of money. They got a lot of money. I want to find out who these nonprofits got that Operation Thrive money. Follow the money. That's what it's all about. Now, let's get to something now. Fentanyl. 
I've been screaming about fentanyl. Now Robert De Niro's grandson, the poor young man, died. People don't understand. They could sprinkle fentanyl in pot. And you're at a bar, you're having a couple of drinks. You remember this. Of hey, course. Hey, Sid, you want to hit? Bang. You're thinking it's you're coke. dead. And then all of a sudden, you're dead. We're going to have 120 young Americans going to be dying. But what is our what is our country doing? We should be all over China. They're making it in China. We should stop trade with them unless they stop that. And then it's coming through Alejandro from Mexico, right through our border, killing our kids. 120,000 going to be dead oh, in one year. Does anybody know what's going on? Oh, we're doing good in New York City. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're down $25 billion as far as revenue. Everybody's moving out of this city. Everybody's going to Florida and Texas. You know why? Because they don't want to be overtaxed. Yeah. They don't want the crime element. Sure. All it's just, it, it, I'm sorry for getting so upset. No, no, no. But in, you rea- in, 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 in reality, in reality, yeah. where are we going? We're going we to have hell. a deficit in the city, in the state, and all that. Oh, no, no, here was a good one. Remember when we had the COVID? Remember the COVID thing? Remember? Remember all those stands <laughs> on the street? Now, let me tell you a little bit about those stands. There was that one company. I think there was something. I think there was something in that one company, and it was called, uh, oh, exec- Executive Medical Services. That was the one that gave money to Snaggle. Yes. Remember? No bid? Okay, here's some of the numbers. I wonder why we're broke in the state. Here, they were charging $169 to $2,400 per shot for the COVID vaccine. Those little huts that were all over the street, two. Hundred to nine hundred dollars a test they were charging. I wonder why the city and state is broke. Why aren't we going after them? No bid contract. Snaggletooth, how much money did you get? Yeah, Hunkle. Snaggletooth. Bucky Beaver. What did you do with all that money? You got all that money and your corrupt husband. Oh, my God. I think, where, where are we going to Florida? Uh, where, where, soon. East Coast, West We're Coast. Going where soon. are we going? Where are we going? I will tell you this. That was a brilliant, a brilliant 14 minutes of radio by you, Bo Deedle. And Gravesend. I do want to say. Hold on. Gravesend. Oh, no. I want to say, one of the best, the best scenes in Gravesend is <laughs> when you come up on the guy masturbating in the pool. And what you do to him next? That oh, was a great no, scene. No, I mean, that was, that was. That was the one that that mocked up and beat up Margo. Yes, yes. And then I says, you'll never hit Margo again. Bang. And he goes, you can have her if you want. Yeah. I got rid of her. I can have her. You're telling me I, you're a man. And then my man, and my man hits him with a hammer. What's a hammer, his name? Right in the Valentine. Building. What's his name? Uh, uh, it was uh, not Moderano. No, Valentine. Valentine, my man. Yeah, what the hell is his name? I forgot now. I'm yeah, sorry. he wanted to start. He's yeah, one of my yeah, bodyguards. No, he hits him with a hammer, brings him up, and I put the brass knuckles on. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And he goes like this. And I, no, no, please. And then I pop a cap yeah, pop right it. in his head. Bang. You were awesome. Awesome. Oh. You're all great on the show. I love you. Everybody can watch Gravesend. All episodes are up, nine episodes. It's on Amazon. It's very entertaining, and the music is great. And uh, he did a great job. He did, it. yes. Uh, <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime, season two. Bo Deedle is great in that. Folks, we got to take a short break. We'll come back live in studio. The brilliant men's fashion designer, the very handsome Joseph Abood, after another amazing appearance by Bo Deedle. And now I'm having fun, baby. It's getting kind of low. I need some one-on-one, baby. Baby. This is 
Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. That's uh, great stuff with Bo Deedle. Great stuff. Been a great show already today. Curtis Sliwa, Judge Angel Napolitano, Noam Layden, Gordon Chang, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle. Still a come from Fox News, Dr. Mark Siegel. But right now joining me in studio, we get consecutive studio appearances. <laughs> and man, does he look amazing wearing, uh, I guess, a creamish uh, off-white uh, button-down, sleeves rolled up with a gorgeous jacket. He's tan as can be. He's got beautiful white hair. He is far and away, <laughs> in my opinion, the greatest men's designer fashionist ever. And he's a wonderful guy as well. And a great radio guy, my friend Joseph Abood. Good morning, Joseph. Sydney, good morning. How good are you? Good morning. I'm trying to compete with your tan. Yeah. And I will never it's get close. There. Oh, I'll never nah, get it's there. close. You got that Lebanese skin. Uh, yeah, that Mediterranean stuff yeah. going on. You know, yeah. when are we going to have Lebanese Day in New York? Well, you or should Lebanese have it. Month. Or, I mean, come on. Are you think Sunni is being uh, funny? No, about I just think we have a day for everything. Oh, no, we do. You know, yeah. and uh, it's, it's interesting about the Lebanese community. It's a big Lebanese community in Brooklyn. Uh, which is really cool, and they still some great Lebanese restaurants. And of course, I can tell you this: I went to Poly Prep many years yeah. ago. You know, of course, Arthur Idala, who'll be on tomorrow. Joseph Takapina was in my class. Yeah, that's right. And there's about five of us that were best friends: mm-hmm. me, Joseph Takapina, kid named Danny Fogliano, his father Frank ran the Fulton Fish Market, wow. and a kid named Gary Hanna. He's yeah, an attorney. Hannah's, yeah, Lebanese, his father yeah. Al owned Pastels. Wow. In Brooklyn, they're Lebanese. Yeah. Gary's wow. brother. Was the character, Gary's real life brother, was the character that Matthew McConaughey played in the movie Wolf of Wall Street. He actually introduced oh, no cocaine kidding. to Jordan. That yeah. was Gary's brother. Oh, yeah. God. And there they are a, a family from Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. Well, my grandparents came over around the turn of the century, you know, and all that stuff. But there's still a very strong Lebanese culture. Oh, Great yeah. food. Uh, very well, what do you mean warm. by, is the food a lot like, you know, you talk about like, uh, like I don't know, like, like falafel hummus. and... Yeah, you know, sort of tabbouleh and... Uh, yeah. And all of that, it, and it's a very healthy, it's a great food. Tahina. Well, I grew up in an Irish Catholic neighborhood. Boston. And they, in, in Boston. Yeah. And uh, they never knew what Lebanese was. And so when we would invite kids over to have dinner, we didn't have forks and knives on the table because you ate with Arabic bread. You ate all your meals with bread. No so, kidding. Yeah. Oh, it was really, yeah. My, so you never had forks and not, knives? Not when we had Lebanese food. Not really? when, And so these poor Irish Catholic kids... Couldn't figure out how to eat. I couldn't. I'd be, I'd be freaked out. I mean, I go to. But, I don't even know how to use chopsticks. I get so offended when I go to Chinese restaurants. I'm like, excuse me. I'm in, I'm I'm in, I'm on Flappish Avenue. Can I get a fork and a knife? If I was in Beijing, I get it. I'm on Flappish Avenue. I know. I mean, give me a break. I know. But it's wonderful that so many American cultures still maintain their tradition and yet still are American and believe in this country. So that's very much how my parents brought us up. You know, work hard. Believe in yourself. You can achieve anything you want. No yeah. one's going to give you anything. You have to earn it. Basically, just what you've done. You and, have well, to you earn too. it. You too. You have to earn it. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the American way. And I've been lucky enough to have been uh, successful in some way. Some way. Through, through the American system. And that's why today, and I don't want to talk politics because you talk all the time, all day. I love when we can talk about culture and, and the arts and fashion and and I and it's interesting. I texted you yesterday and was talking about doing the wardrobe for these films for period pieces. Yeah. Now, how did that wardrobe work out for you? Did you have a wardrobe specialist for your films? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the one film I did, 
uh, used to be Gemini Lounge. Now that's it's right. called Inside, Inside Man. Man. Yes, that's right. They're going to run the trailer on entertainment tonight. Fantastic. Tonight. Fantastic. Comes yes. out August 11th in theaters all over the world. Right. So they had two huge rooms downstairs. Mm-hmm. They had the bar. They made the bar look just like the real Brooklyn right. bar yep. on the third floor, I think. Right. So first floor, you walked in. It was it was a warehouse. Yeah. It's an industri- industrial park in Los Angeles. Right. But it's a very popular studio. And it was about a 40-minute drive from my hotel in Beverly Hills. So uh, I make my way in and downstairs. To the right was makeup, big mm-hmm. room with a bunch of chairs, yeah, sure. like, a, like a salon. Yeah. And to the left were these two big rooms with racks. With wardrobe. Right. Now, both films that I, or one film, Gemini Lounge, yeah, and the that series. bar was in the late 1970s, right. early 1980s. Right. And the series Gravesend, which I really recommend you buy right now today on Amazon Prime, that was also 85 in Brooklyn. So right. they were both, quote-unquote, period pieces. That's right. I know it sounds nuts, Joe, but 1985 was 30-plus years ago. No, it's a period Almost piece. Almost 40 years it's ago. It's a period piece. Yes. And that is the most difficult thing to do. I remember I was talking to Chaz, and I, uh, Chaz Palminteri, our dear friend and incredible talent. And he was great in Gravesend, too. He, he's, he's, just, he's just great in everything yeah. he does. I hope he's listening because he is amazing. We were talking when I had him on my show on Threads. We were talking about when we did the – well, he did the wardrobe for Bullets Over Broadway. With Woody Allen, which is a great film, you he know, won, he won the Academy Award was, for that. He, he was the Academy yeah. Award winner or yeah. nominee, uh, nominee. I can't remember, but but amazing talent, and all of his suits were brown. And he told me the story on air. He said he went to Woody and said, "Woody, I, I don't like brown suits." I and and he's right. He looks great in black and white and navy. He he's that dark complexion. It's great. Woody said to him, I wanted that specifically for that character because it was a little shabby. They were a little afraid, but he played that part. He stole the movie. That's funny. So Woody actually made sure the clothing kind of fit the mood of the story and the character. And that's what's great about great filmmakers. My favorite of all period pieces recently was Casino. With Robert De Niro. Oh, great movie. Now, if yeah. you look at the stylized clothes. The collars. The collars. Yes. The collars. Well, Goodfellas, too. Good, yes. But more Casino was so stylized. Sharon Stone, her outfits. Oh. That was impeccable. Her hair. Everything. Yes. Everything. And when I look at a film, I'm saying, let me find something that doesn't work. Let me find where yeah. they made a mistake. Yeah. yeah. And in the, it was impeccable in that oh, that was, movie. That was great. And, and that's really what made it so special. So for you, as you start to do these 70s and 80s pieces, they're going to pick a wardrobe for you. And, well, well, and it's got to be right. When I got the gig for Gemini Lounge, uh, Danny A. called me. Yeah. The character I play, not a very big part. I have a much bigger role thing in Gravesend. I'm in mm-hmm. five episodes. Yeah, no, I know. Not a very big role. But you, you see me quite a bit behind the bar. And he said, listen, uh, this cousin, Roy DeMeo Gambino family, mm-hmm. his cousin Dracula was very gaunt and very pale. I remember that. And always had facial hair. So he said, I need you to stay out of the sun, grow oh. some facial hair. I said, I'm not doing it. I don't want the part. Right. I said, <laughs> I, I am much more afraid not to be tan than I am. So I'm actually really tan in the movie. Of I don't course. look like the guy. But in terms of the clothing it fits, now in Gravesend, what's funny is the first time you see me, I'm in a Miami hotel, mm-hmm. and I look like Don Johnson in Miami Vice. White, I got the, the, the shirt with it. Right. But then you see me meeting William DeMeo on a one-on-one meeting outside of Michael's Restaurant in Brooklyn, and I'm wearing one of your blue jackets. Ah. Clearly not something out of 1985. Right. But, but, but it, it still looked good. If it, it didn't matter. Fit, if it, right. If it, it fit. fit. And it that's, fit. that's why great director, great producers 
really great directors really sort of look at that. Yes. And that's why I loved I loved Bullets Over Broadway and the way Chaz looked. And I loved, I absolutely loved Casino. But I was thinking, you know, you're going to be in more period pieces because you fit the part. So wardrobe is going to be important. So one of these days I'm going to do a film with you and we'll actually do the wardrobe, which will oh, really, be great, which would really be fun because I think you really have to pay attention. Yeah. I, uh, I saw Indiana Jones over the weekend. How was that? It was, it was good. It was nostalgic. It was fun. But isn't was, Harrison Ford too old at this but point? They did something. I don't want to give this away. The AI in this, they make about it look making, younger. it's frightening. Well, they did the same thing in The Irishman. Yeah. Don't you remember? But, but you they made to, their you faces need, look younger. You need to see this because I was looking for the flaws. And, again, the sets that Steven Spielberg did, the 1960, a big part of it plays in 1969, the clothes, the set, his making instant coffee. with It's so authentic. Really? And that is a really important part of a film taking you to another place. So you thought it was that good? I thought it was, I found it fascinating. You need to see it just because of that. And listen, it's Harrison Ford, and we all know the four previous Indiana Jones movies. Oh, they're all great. And it's just fun. There's some uh, repeat characters that you would love. Have you ever actually done that? Have you ever been invited to a movie set to work with a specific actor? Well, I did I did something really great uh, with Kevin Klein for PBS. I love Kevin Uh, Klein. Kevin, he's a brilliant actor as well. We did a modern-day Hamlet for PBS. So we took Kevin Klein as Hamlet, but we did it in modern-day clothes. And so I put him in black turtlenecks and drapey coats, and I put all of the officials in dark double-breasted suits. But it was a lot of work because you really have to put a wardrobe. Now, this was something from hundreds of years ago that was in a modern-day setting. And it was so much fun to conceptualize what would Hamlet look like today? What clothes would he wear? What clothes would Kevin Klein wear? Who would be the father? And it was it was really, really, really wow. fun. Kevin Klein, for some of you uh, folks my age, he is married to Phoebe Cates, and Phoebe Cates is the girl whose bathing suit top fell off on the diving board <laughs> while Judge Reinhold was masturbating in the bathroom in the great movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> yeah. She also practiced oral sex with a carrot with Jennifer Jason Lee, and that is a scene that my generation always loved. Uh, no. anyway, well, it's fun, it's fun to <laughs> do That's his film. wife. <laughs> you know, and I think it's interesting as you become more and more interested in fashion, the nuances start to happen. Look at you with your bracelets today. Yes. I mean, I've only got two on. And you've got six. Now, well, this one here, my wife bought me for my 30-year wedding anniversary in Hawaii. In Hawaii. Beautiful. And this one here, my friend Eyal Farage, who owns all the RPM yeah, Raceways. that's right. I remember that. He, this is a David Yerman. Who's David's great, by the way. He's very talented. Yeah. And this one here, the most expensive of the six, my kids bought me for Father's Day three years ago. Look at that. And the other couple I got from Frankie Kravitz are actually very nice. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm, all, I'm decked out. I'm decked out, man. And, and that's why with the shoes that, that I brought from this uh, wonderful company. This is an unbelievable shoe, Yeah, Joe. these moccasins are one of a kind. So there is no other pair. That is exactly like that. Almost that, like a human being. It's basically like a zebra. <laughs> you know, it's like a zebra. There are all, no stripes alike. Now, they may be cut from the same rug, but never the same pattern. And, and the great thing, these are made in Turkey. And the company, you should all go on and see her. Her work is beautiful. Uh, her name is Millicent, and her company is Artemis Design Company. Go look at her on Instagram. And where's she out of? She's, she's out of Massachusetts. Oh, she's by you. She's up in uh, in in up in the on the North Shore, and she makes all of these. She makes trips to Turkey. Gorgeous. She, they're 
beautiful. I mean, they look like talking about turkey. Um, and I guess she's by your your uh, your head your your uh, what do you call that? The factory. Your, your factory. Yeah, she's uh, a little more north of that. But but she, these look like like a rug you would see, like a gorgeous they, Turkish they, rug. They, they are the from. They literally are made from a Turkish rug. There you go. Which were if you look at old rugs, you know, talk about repurposing and reimagining. She takes old tattered rugs that can't be used anymore, and she repurposes. And they're so stylish, and everyone is different. And they're so cool. And I wanted you to have a pair because I know you had admired them, and she was great enough to. They're my favorite shoes already. Yeah, no, you'll. I'm afraid to wear them. No, no, don't. I'm I'm weird like that. When I get something new, I'm afraid to wear it. But you can't really mess this up anywhere. No, no, you can wear them. What what about in the rain if they get wet? I've worn mine in the mud. Not that I wanted to. Right, but no problem. No, but they just hold up, and they're really, really, really fun. And it's a wonderful company. Remember, awesome. it's Artisan, Artem- Artemis, right? Artemis Design Company. Awesome. What is her name? Her name is Millicent, and Millicent. she's really done Millicent. Now, here's a trivia question for you. Yeah, uh-oh. What young tar- character in what massively popular TV show saw skyrockets when Millicent gave him his first kiss? You lost me. Are you lost? I don't. I have no idea. Same name, Millicent. And the character was little Bobby Brady in the Brady Bunch. No. Kissed a girl named Millicent. <laughs> yeah. He was wearing similar shoes. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. See, this is where I could. I, I'm right there with Iron Eagle. I'm right there, Lou, for useless information. One Millicent, a, a. Bobby <laughs> Brady. No, hey, Bobby. On the way out before we get to Dr. Mark Siegel. And thank you for these uh, gorgeous. Yeah. By the way, what, 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 that jacket yeah. is made of what, what color this is that? Is, this is like a whiskey color. This jacket's about 25 years old. It's uh, completely unlined. It's raw leather. And I, I was telling Doug, it is my favorite piece. It looks gorgeous. When you. you have great pieces that are designed well, they last and they stand oh, the test it, of time. It looks like it's brand new. It, it, but it, it's faded and it's a little I bit. I know, but that looks cool. It's it's my favorite piece. I want you to take everything else off and just wear that and have sex with me. I swear to God, you look Don't so beautiful. Don't say that beautiful. in front of Bo, because we'll be in big, <laughs> yeah, we'll be in big trouble. Yeah. You know? get so last time you were here in the final 60 seconds, yeah. you you at least intimated and made my friends and audience yes. very excited yes. that you were getting back in. Yes, and the answer is stay tuned for this fall. This fall? This fall. Just stay tuned, and I'll have some announcements to make. Wow, that's exciting. You know, so... Uh, I mean, you never looked better. You never sounded better. Well, thank you. You're, I mean, you're just... You're, you're amazing, Joe. You're amazing. Well, I love you. You're but, a great person. You're a tremendously talented guy. Well, thank you. But, you know, one of my greatest challenges was to take you to another level. You've done it. <laughs> You've done it. You've done and it. I Congratulations, say, If Joseph. I'm going to get an award, an Academy Award, it should be for uh, our relationship and I how agree. I've made you into a fashion You icon. have. You have, even today, even in, uh, this is for me, wear this those, is very informal. Wear those moccasins. You'll love them. You'll get so many compliments. You I will. will love them. And I'll put it on Instagram and tag it with designer Joseph Aboud. Thank you, You buddy. look great. Thank you for this. I love you, sir. You sound great. I love you, too. All right, buddy. And we'll do it again very, very I'll soon. I look forward to seeing you. My man, Joseph Aboud, ladies and gentlemen. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I was going to put Dr. Siegel on here, but it's too short. I think he's mad at me, but we're kind of going back and forth. But I mean, it's a three-minute segment. It's a waste. He's a good guest, great guest. I have questions about COVID and something Ava's going through and 
Knicks and Yankees and all kinds of good stuff. So I've offered uh, the doctor either 905 or 925 tomorrow, but I think he's uh, pissed off. What can I tell you? Listen. What are you going to do? You know? Nothing I can do. I you mean, can't you know, you can't you know, we, I had nine guests. I mean, people want to be on this show. It's just, you know, we're number one by a mile, by a mile, and um, people want to be on it. Some, it's a, it's you know, a popular you, deli. Sometimes people get a not a good sandwich. Right. Or you got to wait online too long. You got to wait on. Right I mean, I'll never, I'll never go back the rest of my life to L and B's Pomoni Gardens ever, ever. <laughs> I'm glad I brought that. Up. Yeah, because those idiots make me wait online. And don't get me wrong, the food's great, pizza's great. They make great dessert platters. People used to wait on that Grimaldi's too. Yeah, same thing. Well, Grimaldi's, I don't wait. They love me at Grimaldi's. Well, they, okay. I don't right. wait. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking. About no, 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 no. John right. Antolati, Grimaldi's, okay. I'm good. All right, can you, you? But these, uh, ball, these ass faces at Spumoni Gardens, you know, Artie Idala walks right in with 30 people, Geraldo Rivera, his father. And I love Artie. I love him. But he's an attorney. I'm an entertainer. Are you nuts? <laughs> I'm going to wait online, and then I finally get in, and I see a, a chalkboard that says, Welcome, Boomer and Carton. You did not. On my kid's life. I go, you believe this, Danielle? You think Boomer and Craig got to wait? <laughs> and then the bill comes, not even a free Diet Coke. Oh, so I'm done with wow. these people. What I mean, I was upset they shot the guy in his, yeah. in his uh, you know, backyard. I was sad. For, I guess Lenny was his name. I don't know. Uh, I'm not getting the impression you were sad. Listen, I'm going to make it very clear, okay? Yeah. I'm at the stage in my career where I could, I, could, I could be a dick. Yeah. So if you don't treat, if, if you make me and my family stand on line with regular people, I'm not going to come back. Regular people. What's that? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need like a long He, he just called, he called Re- them regular yeah, people. people. I see. Okay. Oh. Well, no, you know what I'm saying. Well, I didn't people. say I didn't say those two words, but specifically now. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. did. Regular yeah, yeah. people. Now you did. Anybody else hear that besides uh, a normal? Tell <laughs> yeah. the truth. Normal. T- no, did I say that? You did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, that's terrible. I always see that line, that separate line for the regular people, and then yeah, like, <laughs> and then it's like a ribbon no. where the supreme. Fine. Yeah. Lenny's Lenny's doesn't make me wait online. I go to Lenny's Clam Barn in uh, Howard Beach. I get right in. Yeah. Joe does great for me. I can't mention Charlie Marino's name everywhere I go. No, they have the clear lane at the airport and then the one lane for Sid Rosenberg. Il Cortil, I walk right in like I own the damn place. And on Mulberry Street, thank you. Right. Well, they're part of the station, of course, too. Fine. Right? Well, well, Lenny's isn't. I walk right in. Michael's, and I walk right in. Uh, Howard Beach walks right into Lenny's. No, 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 no. No, there was a... Let me tell you something, right, tough ass? Okay. Friday night, there was a 15-minute wait. Guess who didn't wait? Me. Okay. Wow. Oh, you showed you showed the regular people. Oh, oh my God. What did you do? Wave to the regular I'm people? Never gonna yeah, time to, say, down, time to say goodbye to the regular people. <laughs> God willing, we'll yeah. see you on the line. God willing, we'll see all the regular people tomorrow. <laughs>